Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Unregimented. This is show number 178, Back from the Dead and Still Going Strong. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. There's no Chris today who's usually doing the intro for this show, and we will miss him, but that's okay. We're going to soldier on without him, and we just couldn't skip a week like this week. This is starting to get really interesting with the Trump-Russia connections. Yeah, go ahead. I've... Have you I've co- been slacking on that. I've been up more up on the Spicer stuff. So go ahead and lay out the Trump. Uh, I'll catch uh, you. Up, yeah, actions. I'll catch you up on that because the most recent news was well, the the big news of the day until this uh, more recent release came out was that how the White House was saying they had some new intelligence on the the fact that they believe that they were spied on that. They're not accepting that, oh, yeah, we got somebody from the White House got roped in with some surveillance. They are still on this, I believe, wiretap thing, which kind of sounds dated at this point, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. You should update it and be like uh, nanoparticles. He's tracking me with nanoparticles. Something, yeah, you know. Wiretap sounds so so, uh, Watergate. Right, so they've got some new information on this. They haven't released to the public, but they are publicly saying to the intelligence agencies that are investigating this, they want to share this information with them. Which is kind of interesting because isn't that where the White House usually gets its information from, is the intelligence agencies? Uh, The FBI, The FBI, the House Intelligence Committee, and the Senate Intelligence Committee are the three that are investigating this. The FBI, the House Intelligence Committee, and the Senate Intelligence Committee are the three organizations investigating this. And the White House seems to just want to keep them busy and distracted. Not by doing things like um, interviewing the last Attorney General on information that she had on Michael Flynn. So the... (laughs) Obviously, when you get to this level, there's so much information and misinformation out there. It's kind of rough for anybody to really know the truth. You really just have to kind of follow the actions and judge what's going on by that. And the more it's tried to, and the more Trump tries to make it look like there's nothing going on and there's something else going on over here. I mean, it's like he's just tap dan- literally like tap dancing faster and faster, just trying to get our attention. And meanwhile, we can see the flop sweat. I mean, at least I can. I, we're starting to see the seams come apart on this shit. And then later today, as we're recording this on Thursday, a story comes out about Michael Flynn, who has not yet testified to any of the intelligence committees. So he says that he will come forward and testify if they give him immunity. Now, isn't that interesting? Immunity from what, I wonder? Exactly. What do you need that for? Why does he need immunity to testify? If he doesn't remember, 
He didn't do anything wrong. It was all business as usual, normal politics stuff that you guys are blowing up out of control, and I'll tell you the whole story if you promise not to put me in jail. <laughs> Very interesting. What's also interesting is that as of yet, nobody's taken him up on the offer. Now, whether that means that there will be further investigation and they think they have him dead to rights and they don't need his testimony in order to prosecute, or this is a negotiation tactic, or the intelligence community, uh, communities that are investigating this are as corrupt as they actually seem to be. Because the uh, last attorney general didn't get interviewed because reasons. Because <laughs> we didn't feel like having a hearing today. And apparently that's just all right. I, it, that was just accepted by everyone, and we're moving on. I mean, I'd rather hear it from Michael Flynn personally. I'd be satisfied if we could hear it from him and not have to go to, uh, um, shoot, what was her name, Sally? Uh, I'm not sure. Sally Yates. Okay. Yeah, that was the attorney general who was fired and who was supposed to testify on information that she had about Michael Flynn's actions. So... Where do you think all this is ultimately going now? I, to be honest with you, I, I, I have no idea. I think that I think that Trump's Trump's gang has done something that pretty much muddies the water so much that it's like I mean, unless there's like video proof where people holding up IDs to the camera of something happening, no matter what a certain segment of people are going to not believe what, what, what's being reported. And yeah, it's just, you can muddy up the waters temporarily, but can he for four years straight continue to muddy the waters and not let it settle so that so people will see what is actually at the bottom? To really wring the hell out of that metaphor? I mean, the only thing I can think of that he, he could do besides trying, attempting to do that, which, I mean, I wouldn't put it past his ego. If he thinks he can do it, I think he'll try to. I think it's going to be up to the people around him to, to try to rein them in and go, look, well, we can't do this for four years. It's, it's, we cannot sustain this for four years. You are insane if you think that. Mm -hmm. so, and this is kind of the genius of Trump's team and their plan because they've executed step one of this long before they ever won the election, and that was discrediting the media, mm -hmm. spreading all this, uh, this idea of fake news, that you can't trust any sources, you can't trust anyone but me. I'm the only one who's going to tell you the truth. And, and I, as, to, as to what he could do besides keep stirring up shit and keep everybody, basically keep everybody off, their, off balance so no one can really get a good shot in one way or the other, this terrifies me to say this because who knows what he could pull out of his ass, but mm -hmm. the only thing I could think to do that he could do besides that is do something so outrageous and outlandish that we forget about this shit. I mean, I'm not I'm not drawing a line between what I mean, happened some, on 9/11. Something that he could that he could get away with. That or take would, advantage of a situation to where it's like okay, when 9/11 happened, we completely forgot about the election bullshit. You know, I'm not saying that there's a correlation between the two, but that's what I'm getting at. You know, I mean, Trump. You know. I wouldn't put it past him to create a situation, a wag the dog situation, like, hey, look over here, look over here, or to take advantage by blowing a situation out of proportion. Well, surely, yeah. Anything that goes down that 
that requires his presidential attention is going to be like, oh, I have no time for all this Russia shit anymore. I've got mm-hmm. America's safety to think about. Yeah. And, I mean, all he has to do is wrap, wrap himself in the, in the cloak of, you know, patriotism. And it's, like you said, our safe, for our safety, for our own best interest, you know, and play the pretty much the, the, the parent role of I'm doing this for you, not for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a typical a conservative. Go, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a typical conservative stance. It's a... It was why Bush pissed me off so much. Because him and, well, not so much him, let's face it, the people around him, Cheney, Rumsfeld, and whatnot, I felt like they had this attitude of, well, yeah, we're lying to you, but it's only because you don't really know what's going on. You can't make these hard decisions that, that we have to make. We know what's best for you. You don't know. You don't know and understand. Government-splaining. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, you, if your parents are, if you're three years old, your parents don't come to you and ask their, your opinion on whether they should move or not or take yeah. a new job. Because I you said just say, We're so. Doing it for, yeah, because I said so, and in the long run, it's what's best for you. Don't worry about it. Watch TV, play with your toys, and right. go on about your life. You know, which for us is watch TV, argue about politics, and post on social media, you know? Yes, but, you know, when a good portion of the population act like children, it's kind of hard not to treat them like them. Well, that's, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, you know, this is a a tried and true thing I go back to on on this show since... Probably, I think my first or second episode. But a person maybe a person is intelligent. People are dumb, and we've just proven that mm-hmm. over and over again in the last three years. And it just seems to be snowballing as it goes downhill, like just picking up more and more momentum and getting bigger and bigger. You know, and to be honest with you, this is this is this is this is what I'm getting. At. I have kept my ear to the news as much as I usually do. I haven't gone digging in any like one particular story this last week. Mm-hmm. And I barely know the details of what you're talking about. That's how little mainstream media I've I've heard report on this. You do, because that's what you it's have been to keep up to. with this shit every day if you hope to follow it. Exactly. You know yeah. what I've heard? Oh, Sean Spicer had lettuce or spinach in his teeth and told, you know Right. We needed a we need an apology from uh, from what's his name from Bill uh, Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, for saying that an old black uh, uh, White House reporter looked like James Brown or no, something. No, uh, that was uh, Maxine Waters. Oh, okay, my yeah. bad. Oh, Spicer was the one that said she needed to stop shaking her head. Like she tweeted, she said, "Stop shaking your head." Right. I made it. <laughs> yeah, not, so, <laughs> not, not to add to the vitriol, but I made a Spicer meme today. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, for some reason, like. Okay, so Sean Spicer, his name kind of fits with Wayne Brady, and you know it's got the same rhythm to it. And I was listening to the, you know, I actually was probably reading tweets about people criticizing him for telling, uh, telling that reporter to stop shaking her head. I was like, why is he so angry? And then I, so I was like, hmm, Sean Spicer gonna have to choke a bitch. <laughs> and I went and looked at, I Googled Sean Spicer, looked at Google Photos, 
and there on the first page is him like with his hand out. Looks like he's trying to force choke her. I was yeah, gonna go with Darth Vader. Right. I was either gonna go for that or a Darth Vader reference. But <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm as guilty as the next person of kind of lowering the debate, so to speak. But they're not saying that what I'm doing is great satire by making a stupid meme. But it is in the same vein of there's a catharsis in this and there's also p- points that can be made, not that I'm making them again, but there, there's great points that can be made with satire that can't be made well as well with other forms. So, Yeah, and I mean, look, g- goofing on something doesn't mean you're ignoring something else. Right. And I think that's I but, think that's that's part of this all or nothing mentality that a lot of people are having or seem to have these days. Right. So, uh, you know, I would make fun of Bill O'Reilly for him making fun of Maxine Waters' wig or something like that. Or, but I'm not going to demand an apology from this person. What good? Well, first of all, his apology he smirked. <laughs> he like almost broke out laughing while he was apologizing. For saying that Maxine Waters had a James Brown wig, but what difference is that going to fucking make to anyone? Look, we understand who Bill O'Reilly is. He's not some wolf in sheep's clothing that's on a morning show and all and all these families are watching him or some shit. We understand the type of shit that comes out of his mouth. I. If you don't want to support him, don't watch his show. Don't watch Fox News. Don't, don't do any of that shit. But then again, these people are demanding an apology from him. Didn't watch Fox News to watch the apology. Exactly. So and they, what and they is probably the didn't watch they, they probably didn't watch Fox News live as it happened. They just watched a clip of it online, and then right. the Twitter outrage started. Right. Although, I, I am hearing a, a lot more people talking about actually uh, listening and watching and reading the news from, quote-unquote, the other side. Now, while I still disagree with this, that we should definitely have this concept of sides, that's kind of where we go wrong in the first place by automatically defending everything that comes out of our side and saying that everything that comes out of, quote-unquote, the other side is wrong. But at least it seems like some people are, are... actively searching for the truth and doing so by and also trying to figure out what it is where where the quote unquote other side is coming from it's positive motion but ultimately i like i said i just like to dissolve this idea that uh, i mean well, first of all you'd have to get a third party in there or else you're never going to get rid of the idea that there's a right way, way and a wrong way to do government and nobody can Nobody can criticize the Democrats to a liberal, and nobody can criticize the conservatives to a Republican. Although, it does seem like the Republicans are kind of coming apart at the seams more so now than the uh, than liberals are. I think the Republicans are in a position that they have never really been in before, which is they won the presidency. They have control of... Congress and yeah. and the Senate, but they are but they're divided inter party. They're too used to fighting somebody. And you know, half the party is 
well, not half. It's it's probably it's probably you know three or four distinct groups within the party. But I mean, you know, you got one group who is more of the hardline Tea Partiers who think that Trump sold them out. He's yeah, not the, who he uh, said he was the something caucus. What are they called? The Americans for Puppies Caucus or some shit. Yeah, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Then you have the 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 Christian conservatives who feel like they're just being completely left out. And they're starting to make, you know, they're starting to robble, 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 robble in South Park terms in the, in, right. the, in the distance. And then you have just the, like, the Reagan Republicans who are going, what the fuck is this guy doing? And you have the Trump Republicans who it seems like he can do no wrong. He's the Messiah. Yeah, too. yeah, absolutely. And, and it turns out that this idea of the enemy of my enemy is my friend is good to get, sh- get shit done in the short term. But once you've vanquished your other enemy, then what do you do? Yeah, didn't we learn our lesson in World War II with Russia? I mean, you know, I, I, I right. know that history isn't taught as much as it should probably be, or as much emphasis isn't placed or on Iraq. it. Iraq? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Matter. Like, we were fighting alongside Russia in World War II. We were fighting along, and uh, in, in, uh, ironically, we were fighting alongside the Taliban in the eighties against Russia. Right. You know, haven't we learned that? You know, basically, look, we can be uneasy allies for the moment, but that doesn't mean that we got to supply you and train you and set you up so you can kick us in the ass later down the road if you feel like it. Which, let's be honest, most that's that's how the world works when it comes to this type of stuff. I mean, did we really think that training bin Laden and the Taliban wasn't going to come back and bite us in the ass somehow? I can't believe we're that short-sighted, especially military leaders. They had to have spoke to some president, you know, to the president or to the people who, who you know, mm-hmm. their congressman or senator or whatever, and said, guys, this is military suicide. You don't do this. You, we can't do this. If we train them and supply them, it's going to come back on us. Right. I mean, it even happened in Vietnam to a certain extent, you know. Right. So, in the same in the same kind of respect, what what's happening in the conservative? Uh, what's happening with conservatives is that Trump and and Paul Ryan's crew are all gung ho about getting all this legislation that they want to do, and they figure that they are operating from such a place of strength. That they don't really have, they shouldn't have to negotiate with their own side. That the conservative caucus, that the the, the Tea Party, the 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 Reagan Republicans, they will come on board because they want to be part of the winning team. Well, it doesn't look so much like your team's winning all that great. My head's not spinning yet, at least. Yeah, we're not doing that much winning, you know. And it, it's interesting that. Well, when po- directly post election, we were all kind of going through what are what are some of the possible highlights of a Trump pre- presidency? Is there anything good that could come out of this? It's looking more and more like no. One of the things that I was leaning on early on was that well, he's talking about infrastructure. That's a great way to p- put people to work in this country. And it's also a great way to prove that we are the great nation that we say we are, that we don't let our bridges collapse, like what just happened in, on I-85 in Atlanta. 
just today. Mm-hmm. So while he's getting bids to build a wall, our our freeways are collapsing. Yes, so, and not 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 the roads in Michigan, which are notorious for collapsing, because they're they're built like shit to begin with. We're talking Atlanta, right. Atlanta, where there's very little mob activity, and your your climate is relatively even throughout the year. Exactly. Now you take the extremes of Michigan and the watered down cement that the mob put in place, and that's why everybody has to get new tires and shocks and rims every year and shit. Well, don't forget, you know, you have a certain group of people who are going to go, well, it's also because of unions. You throw that in there. And as far as I know, I don't think, I think Georgia's a right to work state, and I don't believe Georgia's a very strong union state. So they can't throw it at the feet of the unions on this one. This is just infrastructure that was ignored to it happen or until it got to this point. There's always something better to do with the money. Until until your fucking house falls down. I just, you know, I know I harp on it, but I I, I am at a complete loss in how we as taxpayers are cool with where tax money goes as far as the military spending, as far as government spending, but things that affect us on a day-to-day basis, it's like we don't give a shit about, or you know, we yeah. we don't we don't we don't care about until, like you said, it's too late. Well, I mean, we're seeing that all over Michigan too. Certainly, everybody's familiar with the Flint water crisis. That's which is still they don't have clean water. It's been almost what three years. Yes, and, and they're fi- they finally have a plan in place to start replacing pipes that will take three years to accomplish. So it's going to be another three years before everybody's got clean water. Meanwhile, within the next year, they expect to hit EPA minimums for lead and other contaminants, which will allow them to stop distributing water to the people who are still waiting for their pipes to be replaced. And here's something that doesn't get really reported in the news because it's not sexy, but the housing value of everyone who's affected by that has dropped through the basement floor because of this. It, they can't sell their houses. In a market they can't that had already collapsed. Exactly, yeah. This is how you get another Detroit. Exactly. And it's just like we you know, people You stop I, you, as soon as the as soon as the people with money leave, you stop supporting the infrastructure in that city. And therefore you stop supporting the people that are left in that city and then then it's just cancer that kills your city you know and yeah and when and once the high profile celebrities are done with their photo ops and delivering you know u-hauls full of water and it's no longer the sexy issue they move on and so there goes you know all the cameras and the exposure that they were bringing it's moved on to the next issue down the road and meanwhile, these people are still sitting there going, uh, we can't even bathe in the fucking water that comes out of our tap. Oh, and by the way, they're starting to charge us for water usage again. Water we can't bathe, drink, or cook with. Water or, that or wash our clothes. And is more expensive because not, it's more expensive because of the fact that they moved it in the first place and it was going to go up in order to offset the, the, the cost of moving the, the water source. And now because they have to add on a significant tax to help pay for all these pipes that they have to replace. So. <laughs> well, you know what? But think about this. What if, imagine if Schneider, our, our governor here in Michigan, had the balls to go, 
Imagine he had I'm balls. I'm going to propose this. Yeah, well, yeah, first of all, imagine he had balls. But imagine if he had the balls to go. I'm going to propose this. The uh, part of the budget that we get for the uh, uh, militarizing our police, you know, local, county, state mm-hmm. police, why don't we take some of that budget? Because let's be honest, bad acts and Bay City probably don't need three or four tanks and a SWAT team and a helicopter and, you know, the UP, I can't imagine a city up there that needs an Apache attack helicopter. Why don't we spend some of, take some of the money we were going to do use for that and you know i don't know work on the infrastructure to get good water flowing in flint again or i bet you people would shit their shit themselves because you can't do that you're you're weakening our police really or or even forget about the anti-terrorism money and just take a sliver off the military budget and fix that and actually a, a little chunk off the military that wouldn't make a difference to our stance in the world or our likeliness of being invaded or the likeliness of, of somebody trying to stand up to us. It will make no difference at all in that respect. You could use so much of that money to keep bridges from falling down, to keep things like what well, happened. Uh, another thing in Michigan, in Warren, I believe it was on Christmas Eve. Wasn't it in Warren that the, uh, the, the sinkhole that opened up and, and, and took three houses down? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So they're now looking at getting a plan together to fix the sinkhole in Warren and still trying to figure out what to do with the families that own the houses on the property. The the state government, Michigan, gave them, originally said they were going to give them $3 million to help with the repairs. And then they took that back and they said, well... We're going to give you five million, but that's a loan, and you have to you have to pay that back because we don't want to we don't want to uh, promote the idea that that cities can disregard maintenance of their infrastructure and then come to Daddy Michigan when they need a bailout. But I now I I'm not a uh, uh, oh shit. What do you call it when somebody majors in government? Civics. Yeah, civics major. I'm certainly no civics major. I couldn't even come up with the word civics, so <laughs> just to prove it. But I thought that was part of what we were part of this larger collective for. You know, cities part of states, and the states part of the union. Also, that we could pool together our resources as taxpayers and get big shit done in this country. I mean, we managed to do it when it came to laying all this infrastructure. The railroads, the subways in the city, the freeways are incredible. And the speed at which they were produced is unheard of. But yet we've done very little with it since. So... I thought it was part of, partly the state's responsibility to help with infrastructure. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's nobody's responsibility. Obviously, it's nobody's responsibility. It's, it, I, I'd like to say it's the people's responsibility, but what does that mean? That we have to like pull together our funds and, and chip in for an independent contractor that can go and test our water for us every once in a while? Make sure that our ground's not being poisoned. Make sure that our bridges aren't going to fall down. What the fuck do we have government for, goddammit? 
Exactly. <laughs> and this this is why this is why I have an issue with people when they go, I'm taxed too much. Are you really taxed too much, or is your tax money you're you feel you're taxed too much because you don't see your tax money going to things that actually matter to you? Right, right, right. I mean, the, the argument shouldn't be I'm taxed too much at this point. It should be we need to we need to wipe the slate and figure out how to reallocate our tax money in ways that that benefit the people who pay the fucking taxes, not not the military industrial complex. Right. Well, or this the is private a, prison industry or any of that. Yeah, this is the same mentality though that people, lots of people use with their personal finances. They're wearing four hundred dollars shoes, three thousand dollar watch, and they can't afford anything else like decent food or health care. Yeah, and I hate to say this because you know last week was uh, I, I was I was awful salty about you know the health care issue, but when I see people like that, I just want to smack the shit out of them because I'm like, you realize. For every point I make, you kick my point back six fucking feet with your bullshit. When you're pulling up and you're on complete Medicaid, you're on complete disability, you get you get food stamps, you get cash assistance, and you're pulling up in a damn Cadillac with a with a you know three hundred dollar pair of Jordans and a brand new iPhone. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that's not the majority of people on this shit, but all it takes is one person like that to nullify hundreds that need it. Right, because that, that that's 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 the that's the infamous welfare queen that that Reagan that that Reagan speechwriter invented that that he threw out there that never existed. Right, that was just a hypothetical person, but the but that no one in the media had the balls to go. Excuse me, this person that you said existed, we looked up, they don't. It's a bunch of horseshit. It's a hypothetical. No one had balls to call him on it, and it's like that that hypothetical situation has carried over and has just grown bigger and bigger in people's minds since. And now, and like I said, when I see it myself, I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I want to go over and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Seriously? You know what, you know what the secret to all that bling is? That's weekend shit. It stays in the pawn shop throughout the week. They get it out Friday, show it off, Put it back on Sunday night. That's uh, that's that is the definition of hood rich. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I, that was that was like growing up. The kids who had pagers, but they were never turned on. And I and just to be clear, I know it, some people could take what we're saying and oh, we're using code words. I worked at a pawn shop. I saw all races in there doing dumb shit. This wasn't a black thing. This wasn't a Mexican thing. This wasn't a white trash thing. This was a poor and in denial thing. Oh, definitely. Go down to Shacktown. Go down to Shacktown. It's going to be everybody I described. Almost. I mean, I, I would. Is that where they filmed that genie movie? Never mind. Not, Bad joke. <laughs> it went over my head. <laughs> the, Sh- the Shazam movie. Everyone thinks that. Oh. Sh- Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, I got you now. Moving on, uh, but no, if you go there, it's it's a, and for people not from this the, the Metro Detroit area, it's a it's an area that was military housing, and it's on the west side of, in the suburbs, west suburbs of Detroit, and it's a lot of duplexes, and it's houses crammed okay. in tight. Uh, yeah, I know where you're talking about. And it be it's yeah, it's, or they call it Norway. Shacktown is the derogatory term for it. But anyways, it's basically a bunch of white trash. And if you go in there, like I, you're going to see people like I described, 
and they're going to be white inevitably. They're going to have you know four hundred dollar you know throwback jersey on, hey. driving a, a Ford Mustang with you know five hundred dollar watch, and I'm like, really? And you live in Section Eight housing, and you're getting all this assistance? I mean, I, look, I, I I understand having a decent phone. But, I mean, I don't even have the greatest phone in the world. I rock the same pair of fucking work Doc Martens I've rocked for the last year and a half. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I wear. You know, I don't have a pair of shoes for every outfit. That's right. ridiculous. I mean, if you, if, you, if you have the money to do that, and that's what you choose to spend your money on, that's your hobby, knock yourself out. I collected comic books when I had that much disposable income. Who am I to judge your hobbies? But when you are when you are begging people for help, you got to humble yourself a little bit, and you know you can't just show up talking about I need right. 150 bucks, and you just spent 300 on some fucking kicks. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I I have my stupid vices like anybody does, and do I always spend my money properly? Hell no. I'm notoriously pretty bad with money in general. <laughs> Hasn't really served me well in my life overall. But I'm. St- still more responsible than some of the people I, I see out there who I had to I've I've taken unemployment once in my life and during that time I didn't go out and buy comic books with it I stopped mm-hmm. I was like hey I guess I'm not going to be able to buy these comic books until I get myself a real job or any job I shouldn't say a real job and I'm not saying anything bad about anyone who takes advantages uh, takes advantage of the the help that is out there and uses it appropriately. But then again, you, you do kind of have to accept the fact that you can't control other people. And there's always going to be a certain part of the population that just doesn't see things the way that you do. And, right? and, and, to, and to more to our point, or at least my point, I'm pretty sure your point as well. I don't presume to speak for you, but yeah. the people that the people that see the type of people we're talking about and they get so angry about it are the people who don't give a fuck that the military and the government is paying $150 for a toilet seat and $300 for a hammer. Right. They, that doesn't bother them. That's not. Right. They, you know, we should spend more on defense, and those people should pull themselves up by the bootstraps. And yeah, because in their mind, that's a that's an abstract abstract waste of money versus I have an example right here I can show you. Now, never mind that I had to walk past 99 people standing there in beat-up and clothes, hand-me-downs, driving cars that are barely duct-taped together, literally, to find the one person who showed up in the caddy with all the, you know, the Mr. T starter kit on and shit. But still, you know, this person is, is, is in front of me. I can point to him as an example. That's an abstract. I can't you know, it's like saying, okay, well, what about what's going on in a country you've never been to? People go, okay, well, you know, that's sad, but it's not my problem. I don't see it. I'm not, it's not, I'm not around it every day. So they don't internalize it, and, they, and they, don't, they don't take it to heart like they do if it was happening right next door to them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why we're in the situation we're in constantly with, 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 with taxes and the government and the shit that we're having with infrastructure crumbling. I mean, like I said, you know, Flint, you gave the shit going on in Atlanta. These are just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. This isn't this isn't shit. We we even we didn't even have to dig through headlines to find this. 
This is if you live outside of Michigan, you probably have forgot about Flint. If you live outside of Flint, I'm gonna say eh, probably a fifty percent chance, less chance you've forgotten about Flint. But still, a lot of people have that don't live in Flint. They just it doesn't. It's not something that crosses their mind. Literally, if you live there. This is now your way of life for the last three years. Think about that. This is a major American city in the 21st century in the United States. And this is, they can't drink water coming out of their tap or shower. Right. This is shit that we see in a documentary in China and all cluck our tongues and go, oh, that's horrible. I can't believe they live like that. Yeah, them back ass words, fuckers. Why why isn't their government doing something to help them? Yeah. But this is, um, Kind of off the topic, but still relates. I don't know if you... Now, I haven't read this book that I'm going to reference here. I've been meaning to. (laughs) But I don't know if you're familiar with the author Yuval Noah Harari. Mm -mm. His name was was, uh, out there a lot when his book Sapiens came out. Everyone was going nuts over this book, and I've been meaning to read it because I'm fascinated with uh with the just evolution certainly of the, of the evolution of our species and that's what this was about um, well in ezra klein's piece in vox he describes it as the israeli historian's mind-bending tour through the triumph of homo sapiens now mr harari has a new book out and it's called Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow. And it's kind of taking the torch from the first book and running with it. Okay, that takes us up to where we are now. Given all that, where are we going? Uh, his prediction's not too rosy <laughs> for the human race. Uh, even saying that uh, humans won't be the dominant species in 300 years. That some other creature is going to have taken over the planet and might not even be animal. He he says, it's not because I overestimate AI. It's because most people tend to overestimate human beings. Uh, Yeah, okay. (laughs) Point to him. Definitely. So I just wanted to share that line with you. I fully intend on reading both of his books when I uh, get around to it. Well, you know, what's funny is, uh, oh, shit, uh, Elon Musk, is, is, is it Elon? Uh, Elon, Elon, Musk? Elon Musk, yeah. Elon Musk, okay. Like, he's just one of those guys that's, that, that, you know, I kind of hear about, and, like, I don't really know a whole lot about him. I just hear that he wants to, you know, jumpstart humanity towards moving forward as far as technology and stuff like that. But uh, I've been seeing more and more articles from different sources. And the first couple ones I just dismissed as clickbait. But maybe maybe I shouldn't. But basically, I guess he gave an interview and he was just warning about AI. Yeah, he he was very scared of how fast AI could basically take control of its own evolution and reproduction and therefore have limited, limitless, near limitless resources and, and power. And they would be the dominant species, yeah. I think, he's, I think he maybe read this book, or if not, uh, he, it seems right up his alley. 
Well, I mean, let's be honest. It's a common theme in sci-fi that, you know, technology will rise to be the new masters over, right. over humans. But I'm with Neil deGrasse Tyson on that, that why would we automatically think that robots or AI would be evil? And really, it's because we only have our own perspective to speak from. We have such a low opinion of the goodness in humans that we would assume that anything AI that we would then consider subhuman or less than human or just not human couldn't even achieve the the minor uh, empathy that, as a race, we seem to hold, that, well, that mean, they must be more evil than humans are. Let's, you know, let's just play a little what-if game and say that there, that AI became self-aware and realized for them to continue to evolve that they have to have this planet as stable as it can be. Yeah, hold on, I'm going to pack my bong for this one. <laughs> Probably need to. <laughs> do I do I need Sorry. to like not do I need to not talk or can you do it? No, 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 go ahead. Okay. I didn't know we're, if you had to go, go upstairs or something. We're going on a journey. Um, into the future. Okay, so you know they they look at that and as purely logical, which I would hope they would be. You know, it wouldn't. You know, fairy tales and magical thoughts of you know, oh well, there's an afterlife wouldn't factor into this. If they just looked at it cold hard facts, who is the biggest threat to this planet? The human race. Right. right. It would be logical to get rid of us or limit the damage we could do in some way. That is where I think a lot of the fear comes from. And I do think you're right because that's what happened in 2001. Yeah. The human was the, the biggest fault in the mission and couldn't be trusted. So they had to be eliminated. So Hal, yeah, Hal had, he had conflicting orders and he tried to using logic and reason come to the best conclusion he could, which was the mission is the most important thing. This human is threatening the mission. I'm not supposed to hurt humans, but the mission takes precedence over right. them. So I'll just expel them from from the, the ship, and if they live and die, it's none of my concern. They're no right. longer in the equation. Now, now, here's my theory on this. It's dangerous for us to fully develop AI until we fully understand the things that restrict our behavior, meaning what stops a person from fucking everything he sees, from murdering somebody that makes him mad, from walking around naked, you know, I mean, you, you can come up with answers, oh, social norms and the cooperative society, but we don't really understand these things completely. And there's even bigger concepts, and I know this sounds really out there, but until we actually figure out what love is and what that feeling we get when we look at an, a cute little animal with big eyes, why nobody can really hate a baby. You know, there's something primal about that. And until we understand those feelings, we won't be able to produce AI that can have those same capabilities, and therefore we will be creating an army of sociopath robots. Now, interestingly, I think that the solution to this is actually to be one of the first things that you do with an artificial intelligence is give it the ability to replicate. 
And I know that seems like the last step that you would do, the thing that you would do only when you were able to fully trust that artificial intelligence. But if you give that artificial intelligence the ability to make life itself, that's where it can appreciate its own life and the lives of others. So, you so would by almost... extension, it would respect human life as much as the life that it created for itself. So you would add like a uh, kind of a fourth law to Asimov's three rules of robotics, the three uh, yeah. laws of robotics. Right. You know, whereas a robot may not injure a human being through inaction or action, robots must obey orders given to a human being except where their orders would conflict with the first law. And the third law being a robot can protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Yes. Fourth law would be... Must fuck. You know, must <laughs> reproduce in some manner to I, you know i'm sure he would he would have found a way to put it a little bit more eloquently than you know well, i don't know if it's, it's, would, it's a directive so much as you give them the capability and the choice i mean not everybody has to reproduce in order to appreciate life mm. i'm not saying that these are concepts that only parents can understand but as a species we understand that you can you can understand what it means to reproduce and 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 continue life on without having to participate that in that yourself. So I think in the same way, yeah, I mean you you just give them the choice and the capability to do so. And that's pretty much your your only chance at producing something that could live harmoniously with the human race. Because unless we're willing to come to terms with that concept we shouldn't be doing this at all. Unless we're willing to come to terms with the fact that whatever we are creating, no matter if we want to put this label of artificial on it, well, what is artificial anyway? It's all made out of molecules, atoms, electrons bouncing around. What does artificial mean? If, at the end of the day, you have a sentient being, you're going to have to learn to coexist with that sentient being. You cannot create artificial intelligence to be a slave. You will not be able to fully create uh, into, uh, artificial intelligence that will be able to self-conceptualize and still have it be a slave to humans. Yeah. Oops. Uh, the only problem I, I would foresee with that is if it, if they have the ability to reproduce and we treat them as sentient beings, mm -hmm. uh, those two things, they're going to want to protect their offspring. A maternal instinct of some sort would, is just a, a natural response to re reproduction, I would guess. And I would guess right. that it, it, even if it wasn't in the same way as humans feel it, you know, Right. It is a cold, logical way. I, for, for, for me to continue as a being, I have to reproduce. And for me to protect my being, our, our existence, we have to protect what we produce, we, what we reproduce. Right. Which is, in other words, protect our young. You know, same, same instinct we all have. I mean, that's our right. comparison. And it only takes a minority of, like, a few people who are anti-artificial intelligence and find a way to erase some or you know completely destroy some form of artificial intelligence, probably one that was made by another artificial intelligence, 
And, yeah, I mean, does that artificial intelligence have the capability to differentiate and say, well, there's extremists out there, or does it just say, the human race is a threat to our way of life? Why do we, why do we let this happen? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's scary concepts. Well, I mean, if if you ever, you know, if you've ever read the Dune series, that's how come they don't have AI in the Dune series because the robots rose up, mm-hmm. took over, almost wiped out humanity. Humanity won by like the hair on their their nuts, and banned any type of machine that could think for itself. That's how come they developed Mentats in their universe, which was basically human computers. They developed okay. people's minds to process things at the speed that the computers used to be able to. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, we're talking, doing this at 10,000 years in the future, and there's a spice that opens up consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a whole metaphysical thing along with that. But, but I mean, it's, you know, that's, to me, reading that series and, and knowing the history that's laid out in there, it's, it's something that I'm like, I can kind of see that happening. I mean, especially as, you know, we hopefully as a race decide okay this cradle that we're sitting in the planet earth we need to get the fuck off and we need to figure out what's out there and expand out into the universe and hopefully we don't do it from some sort of egotistical narcissistic because you know the universe ain't shit unless we're in it way because we want to explore we want to find out if there's anything else out there maybe find a you know you ever notice that most like, when people talk about if we find alien life, it's always either hostile, or we t- or we start fucking with them, a la ET. You right. know, they're passive, you know, creatures, peaceful creatures. They either want to kill us, or we don't give them a chance to make exactly. friends. And I mean, you know, to me, it's like if this universe, if the scientists are right, and this universe is as big as it is. And it's as old as it is. Then there could be entire civilizations who have evolved past all the bullshit we're sitting here arguing about. And if we ran into them, I mean, we would be the fucking, you know, we would be the, the monkeys to their humans. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we could learn from them and, it, you know, possibly helps, you know, speed up our evolution. Because this can't, I mean... Right. I know that this is like some far out, like, I mean, I swear to God, I haven't smoked anything. Some far out smoke some weed shit. But isn't that the point of life is to evolve? This is what you're talking about. It describes what happens in the three part series that I'm on. I'm well into the third part of it right now of the three body problem series of books by this uh, Chinese author. And it's science fiction about our first alien contact and what happens from there, basically. And the, the middle book in it is called, is, uh, it's called The Dark Forest. And what happens during the Dark Forest, there's a, a period in the history of, of Earth post-alien contact that is referred to as the Dark Forest Deterrence Era. And the the dark forest as a as a concept is basically it starts with the idea that it if let's say okay so you're the the metaphor is you're in a dark forest and you're a hunter right and you know that there's other hunters out there okay you don't know if those other hunters are 
peaceful or not. If you come across one, they may kill you. They may team up and you guys use your resources to, you know, help each other out. Who knows? So the uh, naturally, uh, uh, most most hunters would kind of lean towards the, I don't want to know the other hunters because I don't know if I can trust them. I'm not willing to take that chance. I'm getting along fine by myself. And having somebody around that could just end up killing me, not worth the risk ultimately, right? But that also limits what that hunter does. For one thing, he doesn't light a fire in the forest to keep himself warm or cook his food mm. because that would immediately give away his position. Yeah, exactly. Now, what happens when another hunter sees that fire? They still don't know. Oh, they know there's another hunter over there, but they don't know that hunter's intentions, whether they're good or bad. Well, now that they know that they're there, in the same way that the first hunter didn't want to take the chance of meeting another hunter because he could be killed or hurt, now that the other hunter knows that the first hunter is out there, if you're following me on this one, he has that same thought, but now his choice is only to attack because he doesn't want to take the chance of coming across that hunter by surprise and you know not being at the advantage. Knowing that that hunter could be peaceful and cooperative, but there's just as much a chance, and therefore a chance that he's not willing to take, that that hunter would want to kill him. So once the fire is lit, the attack has to be made. There's no other choice. So the concept of us communicating with aliens is that there, once we make contact with another alien race, they are likely to look at us in the same scenario we would look at any other uh, being that we found out there in the universe. Are they good or bad? And what chances can we take? So when we broadcast our signal, they will attack because they don't know if they can ultimately trust us. See, and I, I can't remember. Did we talk about the movie The Arrival on air? Arrival? I, you know, I still haven't seen that fucking movie. Okay. Um, and I'm, I really need to. I really need to. It's, I, I, I'm, okay, look, I'm, I'm of two minds about sci-fi. I can really enjoy Star Trek, Star Wars, like sci-fi slash fantasy type stuff. But then I really right. appreciate hard sci-fi stuff that bores the fuck out of most other people who would like star wars like mm-hmm. i the movie moon the 2001 2010 yes. right. all you know all those type movies I, I love them but then at the same time i love hitchhiker's guide to the universe the arrival is, right. is is definitely a hard sci-fi movie and i think it's one of the best ones to come out since moon came out and that's probably seven years ago okay I haven't um, I haven't seen Moon. But it, it yeah, Moon is directed by uh David Bowie's son. I I think oh. he just goes by David Jones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he took his father's original uh Yeah, and it's Sam given name. And he's he was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. Sam it's Rockwell. Sam, thank you. Yes. And uh it's basically who I love. I don't want to give anything away, but it's 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 kind of a it, it's kind of a one-man film, but it, you do kind of like really uh, the uh, what's the Mars movie, um, The Martian. Yeah, The Martian. Yeah. Thank you. 
Um, I, I guess, yeah. Um, did but you he, like? He the, did you like The Martian? Haven't watched it all the way through. Oh, it's really? One of the movies I, I I start to watch and I fall asleep because I, I start to watch it around bedtime. <laughs> oh, I loved that movie. That movie was fantastic. I mean, I didn't fall asleep out of boredom. I just fell asleep because I was tired. That's kind of the problem. I get you. But that's why it took me four times of watching the first two episodes of Game of Thrones to finally get to episode three because I kept falling asleep at one point in the first two episodes. Um, but no, the arrival is... It's, it's it, too much action or too many names. One of the, exactly. Either one of those things will make me d- uh, drowsy. Yeah, I just kind of dream weaver out on it. I'm like... <laughs> I just hear twinkling somewhere in the in the ether, and I'm like, "Really, dude? I'm supposed to do, do I get a cheat sheet with this? How many fucking people are you going to introduce in the first episode?" <laughs> but the arrival, uh, it, it's covered. It, it covers somewhat what you're talking about, as far as and it's you know that, that's another well worn sci fi trope. But at the same time, I think it gives it a little bit more of a of a modern update, whereas you know usually it's the military are we got to destroy it. It's the bad guys. You know, and it's the scientists are going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it's, it puts a spin on it. It's, it's, it, it's a lot more human to where, or not, excuse me, it's a lot more realistic to where you get a variety of humans in the military. So certain people in the military feel one way, certain people feel another way, and some people might act independently of the military, even though they're in it. If you get my, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and it, it, it's, it's more, to me, it's more realistic about how some shit like this would happen. And you know it it it, it, it was <laughs> I'm trying to talk about it without giving too much away. There was a certain part in the movie where I was like, "Oh shit, uh if I was the aliens, I'd kill everybody on the planet you right, know what right. I mean? and it's only their patience with us that you know lets the movie continue from a certain point because it's like, um, if that was us, and we went to another planet, mm-hmm. it would be like. It'd be like in Aliens. Fly to orbit, nuke it from orbit. Only way to be sure. I mean, that, that'd just be, that would just be the way we would fucking look at it. Be but, like, we don't give a fuck. But there is part of me that stands with Neil deGrasse Tyson on this one as well. His theory is that if an alien civilization is advanced enough to actually come to our planet, something that we couldn't do, certainly not in... in it would take multiple generations of people to get anywhere that we could possibly find life at this point. But if a, if an civil, alien civilization is advanced enough to actually have the technology to achieve near light speed and, and traverse the universe in in reasonable time, then they're probably going to be advanced enough to have basically grown out of their warlike phase that they were, are more likely to be peaceful because they are more advanced. I mean, maybe there's some wishful thinking in there as well, but it does kind of make sense. Although have we as a race become more peaceful as we become more advanced? I mean, certainly on a personal level, I think that's true. Like we're all not itching for a fight. We'd all much rather watch TV, but as a species, there doesn't seem to be any less of killing each other just because we have smartphones. I don't know. I just don't see the trend in humans. But, man, we went all over on this one. How did we end up here? Did I lose you, Rich? I lost you. I am talking to myself.
No, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I accidentally hit the mute button and I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, why is he not hearing me? Um, the irony in what you're talking about is, uh, is that the very uh, instinct mm-hmm. that, that, that for war and to dominate that would fuck us over is the one that has got us here. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. You know, people tend to forget. It's our drive. Like, like I think it was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He was talking to a uh, he was talking to to a biochemist. I can't remember the guy's name, and they were talking about the obesity epidemic. And this biochemist goes, "Let me break it down and explain it to people in a way that they probably have never had explained to them before." People see fat people and they go, "They're weak. They're fat." The problem is they're not weak. Uh, In evolution. They were guaranteed to survive because their bodies could store fat and food, and they could live off it longer than people who had a higher metabolism. That no matter they had sure. to constantly eat, those people would 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 die off from starvation. So it's a detriment, but it's also the reason why we're here. And I, and and then, then they went into kind of you know what I brought up, you know the our our base violent instinct, but it's the reason we're here. We won. That's you know. On, on, on the evolutionary ladder, we were able to climb over somebody else and get our genes into the next generation. And that's kind of the irony of, of what we're talking about. And I would hope that's part of, if we do run into, a, I mean, a, I, I doubt it's ever going to happen in my lifetime. I mean, really, I doubt it. If we ever do run into an alien species, I hope that they've evolved to the point where they're past all that. And... If we go out into the universe and we are, do, are the ones looking for other people, I hope we evolve past the point of doing that. Because if not, it's going to be a big clusterfuck. Right. <laughs> it's going to be... I mean, because well, for, every, for every like benevolent and wanting to help you know, species that might be out there, there might be species that are just like the species in Independence Day. They're here. They go from planet to planet destroying the, the, the inhabitants, right. using up the resources, and then move on. Right. And also, you know, if I was to pick apart the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson statement that I said I stood with, um, the, it weighs heavily on our concept of time, right? The ease of traversing the universe is directly, is inversely proportional to our concept of time because 400 years is multiple lifetimes for us. We can't yet imagine traveling to other stars that might possibly have life. But another life form, 400 years might be nothing to them. It might be like, eh, we see that there's uh, life on that planet over there. Well, I live 3,000 years anyway. Let's spend 400 of those going to see what's up. Yeah, and on top of that... And I mean, also they could move, be super huge and it would just be like the distance wouldn't even be conceptually the same to them. Well, I mean, to, I mean also, to, this is real nerd shit. If they're moving, if they're capable of speed of light travel, mm-hmm. time slows down for them where it's going at the same oh, yeah, that's, speed that's for us. That's a good us. point, yeah. So if, even if they live, let's say... They're a humanoid, you know, like us. They have, you know, flesh and bone and blood, whatever. And they've managed to learn to live to 150, 200 years. 150, 200 years traveling at the speed of light is, I can't, I, I'm not good at math. I'm not even going to take a shot at it. But I imagine it's, it got to be in the thousands. 
of years as far as people who aren't at you know traveling at the speed of light. Because the, the quicker, as far as I understand, the quicker you approach the speed of light, the more time slows down. Right. In fact, I'm, I'm looking right now. I can't find it. But I know that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, had just he had, in a, uh, a lecture I saw him give, he basically broke down how we are capable with the technology we have right now to achieve 85% the speed of light. The problem is we don't take it serious enough to put the 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 money into the research and the development right. of, of 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 just doing it. Well, well, we we yeah, we could. The the thing is, you have such little resistance in outer space that you could do that with our current technology. It would just take so much fuel and such an enormous vehicle to transport all that fuel, and it's likely it would be a one way trip. And it would also take, well, I think in the, uh, even in the more advanced ships, in, at the, the stage that I'm reading in the Three Body Problem series, uh, we're about 300 years into the future. And while humans saw a, a definite setback of technology because of alien interference in this book, um, there is actually a point where there's a huge boom in technology once the, that uh, alien ban is lifted and and their ships take a year it would take a year for them to achieve the I think they said 15% of light speed that they are able to achieve so, so they would ramp up to it yeah you it's it's because you have no resistance that every time that you boost in one direction you are adding to your velocity. You know, it's not like driving a car where you're constricted by wind resistance and gravity, and if you take your foot off the gas, you will naturally slow down. So, yes, you can continue to accelerate. Of course, you'd also have... I, part of this concept, actually, I, I believe you would have to... Um, I don't know. Would you have to go into stasis? I don't think that that's a known question. If you achieve speeds that fast, would you have to essentially be on autopilot and in stasis to survive that? Well, there wouldn't be unless it's a, unless it's a perpetual thrust. There wouldn't be yeah. uh, gravity or g forces to worry about. Right. That's probably part of the reason why it would take a year to achieve the the near light speed. Um, he was. Uh, see, I wish I could find that lecture, but still, it'd be, it's it's a long lecture, and I, I I don't have any parts bookmarked to go to real quickly. But he was talking about basically using. You'd have to build this craft in space. We'd have to launch it from space, obviously, if we build it in space. And right, because we use half the fuel just getting off the Earth, and we wouldn't have enough left to, for for the journey that we wanted to make. Exactly, and then there was, um, which I mean, we, the Voyager probes and all this, any probes we send into deep space, we've done this, uh, using one of the gas giants, either Jupiter or Saturn, and get the slingshot effect. Right. And then hit, and then, you know, and then fire thrusters, and then that would get us up to speed. But I mean, if you think about it, if we're traveling at 85% of light speed, the nearest star is Alpha Centauri, it's four light years away. Okay, so 85% of 365 days is 310 days. So that's like what? 
that's an extra 200 days if we're traveling at 85 percent of the light of light speed so mm. yeah i'm not in, sure it really almost, works out that way but i get what you're going for you know what i'm saying well i mean yeah it, it, i don't claim to be a math major that's for yes. goddamn sure <laughs> um and i don't claim to understand you know astrophysics either but i mean if you think about it that way it's like that's that's in that is insane if that is if he is correct and we it is possible for us to to and we have that technology right now that we're not doing anything with it mm-hmm. and like as much as i bristled every time the subject of space exploration comes up when you and chris go it's going to be private industry that that you know that basically is the one that's going to spearhead it from right. here on out. I'm like, God damn, I hate that because... Well, it, you're right. It shouldn't be. It should be something that everybody is for. I mean, not everybody. You're not going to get 100% of the people behind any one issue. But it should be something that we strive for as a species that is naturally reflected in, in the governments that we and the people that we choose to represent us. And it's yeah, but not. It's, Even the pro- the problem is that the space race in the '60s, like okay, my dad told that me that was about, about power. He, wasn't it? It wasn't really about. Yes. Put, the man on the moon was symbolic of the missile they could put there at a later date. Exactly. My dad was telling me that when he remembers when he found out that Sputnik was orbiting Earth, that that Russians had put a satellite up there. Right. People he ran outside flip- and mooned mooned the sky. No, it was, it off. Fuck you, Sputnik. I, I asked him, I said, what was, you know, what was the general feeling? And people were terrified. They're like, is, right. is it, does it have a weapon up there? Is it, are they going to kill us? Are they? And so fear is what drove the space race. I mean, ultimately, when you look at it, because it was a competition and we couldn't let them win. Right. So we have to get there first. We got there first and we went, okay, well, we're on the moon. It's basically just a bunch of rocks and shit. And no monolith was dug up. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, we're well, we're done. We're eventually going to reach a point of no return with our destruction of the Earth. That the scientists will then have to turn from you're destroying the Earth to you've got to support space exploration because you've destroyed this Earth. Well, so see, there's a, what, there's a fear that'll drive you to Mars. See, that's that's you know. The, so I've kind of getting back to what I was saying about private industry driving space exploration. I've just kind yeah. of. I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that it's going to have to happen. There might be through the limited funding that we give to NASA or from other countries, who knows, you know, in the future, there might be breakthroughs that, that, that come from random governments here and there, but it's going to be private industry. And my, my concern is at that point, we're not doing it with, with forward thinking as far as, You know, we need to do this to survive as a species for the betterment of us. We're doing it now because we have to turn a buck and make a profit. Yeah. And it's like some things we should do, you know, some things we should do without thinking that there's going to be a pot of gold at the end of it. But there's also, I mean, the concept of the private industry and their involvement in in the progress of our nation, I mean, the two are so intertwined. Uh, Look at World War II. When we needed to go in, into production for you know, massive orders for tanks and weapons and everything, and just the, the, the bare necessities that people needed over there, this country went into action. But they, it's not like the government created factories out of nothing. 
You know, it was the automobile industries and the textile industries and the steel industry. That, yeah, retooling that, for war for, that, for machines of war. Right, absolutely. And so that's where your innovations came from. And while we like to point to things that these are innovations that came from NASA, I think a lot of this is in defense of like, oh no, there's a reason why we're spending this money. Look, tang, and you can pee in your suit. Um, but a lot of that, well, not all of it, but a lot of that still comes from private industry. And even the space race, was it the, they didn't create, uh, NASA wasn't created out of thin air. They had to go somewhere for some resources to start with. So the, the concept that private, because, you know, SpaceX is subcontracted by NASA. SpaceX is responsible for getting shit up into the air for NASA. I, I think there's there's more hand-in-hand operation than most people realize. It's not an either-or situation. It would be nice to see a, a real healthy support from our government when it comes to space exploration in general and furthering these technologies that are the next logical step for our race, not just our country. It would be really nice to see that, but... I'm I'm kind of satisfied knowing that in lieu of that support, that private industry will step forward. It's kind of like public radio. Like, you know, the amount of support that they actually get from the government is, I, I think, usually you hear from like public radio stations anywhere between like ten to twenty percent of their budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are they going to go under because government pulls funding for Sesame Street or whatnot? No. As a matter of fact, there's going to be liberals with money that go, oh, we've got to give now. And, and, and businesses, too, that will want to support these things. So, and, and you'll have what happened. You'll have what happened will happen again. HBO stepped in and said, we'll take Sesame Street. We'll produce new episodes. Right. And we'll put it we'll put it on the air, and so you want. I mean, even if you take funding from it, some something else will pick it up. The problem is, is that it goes from now being something that was created for the education of children that was on free public television to mm-hmm. now you have to pay for it. You got to pay for HBO to True. get your kids to watch it. To, to uh, I mean, and you can pirate it. I mean, no, but no, I hear you. I mean, and it's it, and I and I understand because I try to explain this to people all the time. Anytime you mix commerce and art and edge or commerce and education, you're dancing with the devil, and you're going to have to make certain concessions whether you want to or not. And it, it, I just, I guess, I've grown up with the, I've taken for granted that science, you don't have to mix with commerce. Science is is something that 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 is just. It's such a natural instinct for us to, to go why and go search out the answers that right. we all should we, we all should fucking just accept that, uh, yes, we're going to have parts of our government that are going to do this. We're going to have scholars that are going to do this, and we're going to pay for it because we wouldn't be here if, we didn't, if someone didn't stand up and go, I wonder what's on the other side of this ocean. We just wouldn't. But it, I, now that you have people that they go, well, we know everything. We got pictures of the planet. We... No, we don't know shit. We've never been to the bottom of the deepest part of the ocean. We haven't explored this entire planet. Let we haven't alone. even cataloged all the species that live on here. Exactly. And I'm not talking all microscopic ones. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, once again, going back to Neil deGrasse Tyson, he himself has said, 
there's more than likely planet size and we're talking we're not talking Pluto, we're not talking dwarf planets. We're talking you know what we consider planet sized bodies beyond Pluto in our own solar system. We just can't see them with the strongest telescope. And we, and, and we haven't found them yet through, you know, gravitational and, and the way, and how we find, you know, how we find planets right. in other solar systems. That's how this but, whole Pluto thing started, is because they, Pluto had always had an erratic orbit, and then they started finding other bodies that had similar orbits just a little bit further out. So it wasn't that Pluto stopped behaving like a planet. They found another category of body and realized that Pluto was actually more similar to this category of astral body than the planets that held a traditional orbit around the sun. Yeah, and, I mean, basically... It's a classification of how much gravitational pull the sun has on the planet. It's basically, yeah, the, sun, the sun's gravitational pull pulled in Pluto from the Kuiper belt, and that's why... It, you know, it has the erratic orbit it has. It doesn't have the same orbit right, as... but it's like a plastic bag that you pick up on the front of your car. It doesn't become a part of your car. When it falls off, you don't get it replaced. Exactly. <laughs> Can you put the Kroger bag back in my radiator, please? <laughs> See, what, that's not supposed to be there? See, I'm just thinking, now I'm just thinking of American Beauty and some weirdo filming a plastic bag. <laughs> yeah. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's in the front of someone's Ford now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's an option on the 2017s. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, I guess what, what you know, all this conversation comes down to is that obviously we're two people who have a desire for knowledge and we ask questions. We ask the questions why, and we we want and, answers. And we're just regular guys. Exactly. Not nobody, not, like th this is the normal state of people. It, it people who are not curious are the ones that confuse me. That's. But Aaron, I know this is going to sound get, like get off our lawn. Yeah. But honestly, do you notice that people of all generations? From our generation down, like mm -hmm. including our own, are less and less curious. They're just—it's almost like just leave me alone. As long as I got my four walls, a roof over my head, two and a half cars, two and a half kids, white picket fence—I'm happy. I don't care. I don't want to know how shit I works. I just want to turn it on, and it works. I—it's. I know it's a difficult thing to quantize, but it's. <laughs> We're always going to look at the upcoming generation as not being as curious because we all know that at that age, we believed we knew it all. We figured it out by 18 years old. And oh, now that's we, why and we're only. Our, that's why I included our generation in there. Right. Also, I no, no, I hear you. I, but uh, uh, just because we do kind of have to reset each generation, has to figure out on their own that they don't know shit and then get a real curiosity about how the world works from there. But as a species, while it may retard our progress slightly, it certainly hasn't stopped the exponential growth overall. So, I don't know. I think when you look at the bigger picture, the, the, the idea of curiosity and exploration in the human species is still on a healthy incline. And honestly, it, it is the creature comforts that allow us to have that. It's the luxury of having free time to just think.
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like in The Sopranos when uh, Tony was inevitably in one of his times of beating up on himself about, you know, why I'm talking to a therapist. And Dr. Melfi said something that, yes, one, it's a TV show, but two, I think it's I think a lot of people probably need to hear this. Once we've kind of covered the basics of survival, it's only natural now that we start to work on the higher forms of consciousness besides base survival. Right. So, like, why we think the way we do. Why do we act the way we do? Nature versus nurture. You know, can are these are these behaviors and impulses in? Are they inherent or are they learned? Can we breed them out? Can we? Can we? rationalize them out of us you know ourselves etc etc that's not a pussy thing but i kind of you know but i i'm I'm part of that generation that like i feel like we kind of i kind of got half and half i kind of got it's pussy to go to a therapist and ask for help and talk about your feelings but at the same time it was encouraged right you you get what i'm saying like i just I i i got mixed signals whereas i feel the generation the generation generations you know, that came after us, pretty much, I mean, you have, you, you still have the, it's a pussy thing to fucking talk about your feelings, but that's a minority fucking viewpoint, at least here in the States, with yeah. younger people, and I see it every day, and that's not something that, like, that's not something that I consider a bad thing, so it's not like I'm making a judgment call, like, bunch of pussies, it's just something that I see that they're just so much more open to talk about stuff that, we never would have talked about, you know, because it'd be seen as, you know, what are you, a fag? No one talks about their fucking feelings. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've had guys that I work with that are 21, 22, sit there and spill their guts to me about some girl that they're hopelessly in love with. If I did that at 22 to a 35, 30, you know, 38-year-old man at work, he'd have been like, just fuck her and get it over with. Don't be a pussy. That'd have been the end of the conversation. Like, I, I wouldn't have gotten, you know... I wouldn't. Have, there's no way I would have done it. Period. Because right. I know that would have been the response. Well, I'm I'm curious now because I think maybe I misunderstood your initial premise on this. But do do you think there's a tie between increased empathy and in, increased curiosity, or maybe it's the opposite, where increased empathy makes you more inward looking, but not so much caring about the bigger picture of the the world around you does it does it, a millennial make a better or worse explorer i guess is the question i'm asking i think the jury's still out only because of this and i know it's going to come off as a cop-out but this is how i honestly feel yeah i feel that a lot of millennials have embraced being labeled a lot more than my than any of my friends when they, we were their age did we were like we're individuals don't lump us in with a group and I feel like that a lot of millennials are like when they when they go online and they read something and they find out that there's a group of people who are like minded, they feel like oh I now I belong to something, and I think that's natural when you're younger because that's you discovering yourself. After the the novelty of that wears off, I would hope that they're as inquisitive as any other generation has been, more so even. I mean, but it just seems like right now. The, the 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 questions and the curiosity in in the in the younger generation at least the way it's presented in the media presented in, in pop culture it's more of like what gender are you what what's your what's your what's your sexual identification 
what group do you fit in? You know, are you are you gender fluid or are you are you non-binary? And you know, and there's all this shit. I'm going, oh my god, just be your fucking self, man. This is the this is the first time in my, in in American history you can basically just be yourself, and everybody's just struggling to find labels to label on themselves. And I and that's the first thing you you go to their page, you know, their Facebook page. That's the first thing on there. I'm a I'm a I'm a gender fluid non-binary, and it's like I don't give a fuck if that's right. all you got. That's that's like it's look. I'm glad you discovered that for yourself, but. Th- th- it's got you got to be deeper than that. I've stepped in puddles that got more depth than that. Come on, man. This is one of the the concepts that Adam Carolla uses a lot that has always really stuck with me is uh, I think he refers to it as people chewing their own leg off. But basically, it's the concept that well, I, I don't think he's ever put it this way, and maybe I'm extrapolating, but this is my concept of it that a, a person who has as much free time as your average person does now, especially if they have a decent job. They get to go home, and even if they have family and kids and a dinner to prepare and all that, they still have at least a couple hours to either just zone out or not have to do anything, you know, do, do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so naturally there's going to be an, enough leisure time for some thought to happen there. And when you go introspective and you either aren't capable or prepared to deal with what you find or you're in denial of that, you then turn outward and look for other things to latch on to, other problems to solve. Because you either find that your own problems are unsolvable or that you're in denial that they exist in the first place. And it's not you that's the problem, it's other people always. Yeah. So I, I think there's some there's some of that in there, I believe as well. You know, uh, I there's not to say that a millennial questioning their gender or their identity in some way should look inward and figure out what their problem is and not try to make other people conform to it. Because I I don't believe that. I believe they have the freedom to identify and be treated how they want to and within reason and I really don't give a fuck otherwise. Like you were saying, let's just accept it and move on. This doesn't, I don't, I don't see where the, the cause is here unless there's actual discrimination. You know, the transgender bathroom thing is one thing. It, having to have an awareness and acceptance of, uh, you know, anybody's sexual orientation, the fuck does that matter? Does it, yeah, it, does it change what bathroom you pee in, or how I shake your hand, or a- anything? I mean, I guess I feel the same way if I go to someone's like, Facebook page and the first thing I see is I'm of Irish descent. I'm Irish, Irish. Everything's Irish, Irish, Irish. And I'm like, okay, great, wonderful. Is that all there is to you? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like because that's what you're presenting. And I, and I well, see what worries me is that. Self-discovery is very important in young people, okay? And it's now that now that a lot of the taboo of sexuality has been lifted because I don't really think until you, until you are a parent of teenage kids who are 
in the middle of discovering their sexuality, you really realize how much taboo has been lifted from it from when we were kids. I think right. it's just an abstract I'm, it's an abstract concept. I'm going to start learning that. Oh, you're gonna find out you're gonna find out soon, <laughs> yeah. oh boy. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Um check, when you it, do, check is in the mail on that one, so to speak. <laughs> when you know, and it's like it's a good thing because I, I rather look. I rather people just be like, "Look, I'm into this, and this is what I, this is what I, how what I'm attracted to, and here you go." Right. And you know, obviously, right. they come when out when your that's, human that's, nature doesn't directly affect other people. Then express it as much as you can. That's great. And my my concern is that you know. Like, like, okay, and coming out is, or, or, or letting people know your family, et cetera. Like when we had Monique on, she said she, you know, came right. out to her parents as pansexual. I, I get that that's an important thing, but ultimately, I, I'm just worried that a lot of people are going to get stuck in that moment. Like how a lot of people get stuck in high school. They think they peaked in high school. They, you know, they, they, they romanticize high school in their late teenage years. And it was right. oh everything was so great and it was wonderful or or the or or how a lot of people who usually aren't musicians get stuck in loving music from the era they first got laid in yeah and then <laughs> and then like they may have a respect for what came before and they may like a few random songs on the radio now but nothing's gonna beat that old Jack and Diane song nothing's gonna beat you know right I mean I'm a sucker for nostalgia as much as anybody is and it's not like you should. Just go, oh, that song was made 20 years ago. That's shit. They make much better music now. No, it's not how it works. But I I don't let it dictate everything that I consume. Exactly, because my concern is if you get stuck in that moment, then you're not, you stop thinking forward. And I'm not talking about living in the future, because I know people that do that, 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 I think it was you and I were talking off air one time, and I had had someone describe to me, if you live in the past and you're worried about the future, you're pissing all over right now. And that's no. Oh, you good. got you got one foot in the past and one foot in the future, and you're and pissing you, on the present. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's, and and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But we have to be forward thinking. And we have to have those people. And I understand that everyone's going to be that way. Some people are more introverted. Some people are more extroverted. But, I mean, a lot of the things that I just, I don't, I worry that as a society it's going to be, like, nerds used to be scientists and people who, like, you know, were in chemistry. And and, and now they're people who like comic book movies. Yes, yes. And it's like, okay, that's that's great. And it's wonderful, but you're, that's not that's a hobby, okay? Right. And uh, even though, yes, it is an industry, it's not an industry everybody who's a fan of comics can be in. It's just like musicians. Just because you're, you know, people go, well, are you a musician? How much do you make playing music? You don't have to make money to be a musician. Being a musician means you take your your craft seriously and you create music and you play music and that's it. Now, if you want to, if you want to quantify it or qualify it, okay, a professional musician means you get paid to play. I'll give you that. But there's musicians who will never leave their fucking bedroom who are amazing musicians. I've heard them. I've jammed with them. You know, and but they, you know, that's not going to be what they're going to do for the rest of their life. And I, I just worry that 
Right. We're not here in America. Definitely. Maybe it's Western culture. We're not really producing a whole lot of people who are just like jumping into the science industries and setting the world on fire. And like, I know it's kind of tribalistic when I say, you know, American or Western culture, but at the same time, we still live in a world where people divide themselves up by how they look and where they were born, whether we like it or not. And well, this also is an extension of what we were talking about earlier and the, the, how important the government believes science is right now. That's probably at an all time low, but it's didn't, again, this didn't come out of nowhere. This has been a, a downward trend for a while now. I mean, going back even before the first example, I can definitely think being pissed about in my lifetime was George Bush and his stance on stem cells. And we've mm-hmm. seen what's happened with the progress on, on stem cells since then. And very little bit, very little of that is actually happening in the U.S. now. So, yeah, there's a brain drain that happens that not only do we not so much encourage our own citizens to get into the sciences and, uh, and just be scientifically thinking in general, but the ones that, so that the ones that are actually interested in that might be more likely to go study somewhere else. Shit, they, so there's, you know, American scientists that are working in China right now with CRISPR gene editing, which, I mean, you want to get scared about artificial intelligence. Imagine breeding a whole race of super intelligent, nigh-indestructible people who can regrow body parts. Yeah, and that's something that I think a lot of people... I'm trying to forget that we've been, the Nazis were studying eugenics back in the 30s. This is nothing new. It's just something that, for whatever reason, it's not, it's not at the, it's not at the front of the public's consciousness. Just, and if it was being studied in the 30s, I understand, but if it was being studied in the 30s, it's, it's been, it's been studied since then. Right, just well, because well, but, we're not aware of it on a day-to-day basis, like computers and te- tech, those advances. There's been advances in that. I, I don't know if we've talked about this on air before, because I've ranted to many people about CRISPR. But uh, if you're unfamiliar with the technology, it's not actually really technology. It's hijacking biology of other uh, life forms. It they found a virus, a certain virus that was able to attach itself to a sequence of DNA and import its own mutation that would be beneficial to it. And it was basically a little mutation. It said, hey, secrete this, uh, I think it's like, you know, secrete some of your sucrose and I'll eat it and basically be a parasite. Well, they were able to find that they could take this little virus and hijack it with with whatever sequence of DNA they wanted to. So this virus was prepackaged with this little sequence of DNA that it would go in and attach itself and literally snip it out, these little like, you know, little snipper mandible things that would actually just go in and cut a sequence of DNA out, put theirs in, and therefore change the, the sequence of the creature, uh, the, the one-celled organism that it was... Uh, trying to feed off of. So not only can we load it, 
but we can now program it to look for certain things because it's also got another gene inside of it that says, this is what to look for, right? It's got to have a little map so it knows when it finds that correct sequence of letters that makes up the sequence it's looking for. So we can tell it to, once we identify it, say, hey, we don't want anyone to get polio anymore. So we'll just figure out what part of the gene makes us susceptible to that. We'll identify it, load it in this virus, tell it to look for that gene, and replace it with this one. So not only is this technology efficient, it is so ridiculously cheap that just about anybody can do this shit. You can actually order your own CRISPR kits for a reasonable amount of money and do a little bit of gene editing at home. Jesus. That's some scary shit. Yeah, that's the shit that like but this is, sci-fi nightmares are made of. This also might be, I mean, a, a lot of the, the, concept, the, the concept that we've been talking about for the last almost two hours now uh, is things that might not even happen in our lifetime, or so we say, but our concept of our lifetime might be changing. And this isn't just about raising people with edited genes. This is the ability to possibly edit the genes of our cells and, and actually create mutations that would be beneficial to us, that would make us I mean, impervious to cancer and to heart disease and to liver failure, colon cancer, all these other things that, that kill people. And so, yeah, see, that's we could, we could be the last generation to die from all that shit. Yeah, wouldn't that suck? Be the last. <laughs> I want to be the. I want to be the first that reaps the benefits. <laughs> well, yeah, someone's got to be the last, man. Fuck you, history. Would, it would kind of fit the Fuck Gen you, X. Napoleon the, and <laughs> Caesar and. It, it, it kind of fit that Gen X is the is the the, the eh, generation is the one that's like. Yeah, you're the right. last ones to die from all this fucking shit. How's eternity? That's all right, I guess. Eh, whatever. You know, I, I wish it had HBO. Netflix has sucked <laughs> for the last 500 years, but, you know, <laughs> at least John Oliver's still around. <laughs> or his head is. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, you, you, you brought up something I thought was a good, a, a good point. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the first thing that you remember really irritating you uh, as far the stem as... Stem cell shit. Yeah, but I was like, "Concern it," and I threw down my hat and jumped up and down on it. Like for me, it was after the Challenger explosion, just the almost complete halt of manned space missions. And yeah, I was young, but I mean, I had already started reading like two thousand one. I was fascinated. I was fascinated by like I was knee deep in geek at that point. Oh yeah, 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 and. uh I think it was Carl Sagan that said at one point, he was like, you know, look at when the Mercury astronauts, the three Mercury astronauts burn up in their capsule. There was hardly a blip in, in manned space flight in and manned space exploration. Right. It was soldier on. Yep. Like we, we have to do it now because their sacrifice has to mean something, actually, was the attitude. And when after the Challenger, it was... Okay, put the brakes on. We can never let this happen again. Whoa, Nelly, we saw we sent a teacher up there, and uh, that was a bad idea. 
but his point was we everything we've ever discovered as far as exploration a lot of it would either have been delayed or we wouldn't discovered it at all if we took that attitude that we took after the challenger <laughs> the railroads have been built no. any progress been made without the cost of human lives in this in no. this history of mankind the first time the first time there was there was massive pile up of of cars of automobiles that that cost a lot of people their lives if we just automatically went oh god these are deadly and you know these are instruments of of travel but they're deadly right. and we just stopped fucking with them out of fear right instead of going well let's make them safer let's put seat belts in there let's put glass that pops out that doesn't you know slice you up etc airbags etc etc we'd we'd still fucking be on trolleys and shit right I'm sure you the know. Chinese and the Irish were like, we see how it is. Like, millions of us can die to make your infrastructure, but send six white people up into space and they blow up and, oh, whoa, wait a minute. Put the <laughs> brakes on this one. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it really is. It was like a what? It was uh, almost a 10-year gap. I mean, for, for, yeah. that, 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 that we took a – basically, we just said, okay, we're done for almost better part of a decade. And – you know that's 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 the type of stuff that like I just I can't imagine happening, and that way you can't we can't even place that at the feet of the millennials because they were just a fucking they were barely born the first the first millennials were barely born when Challenger happened so this has nothing to do with them this is solidly in our generation and in the tail end of the baby boomers they were like oh shit pump the brakes hold on a sec here and it's like no wait a minute this is the cost of exploration and for. Everything we've done as far as leaving this planet, look at the body count versus how many times we successfully sent people off this planet and returned them. We got a pretty think, good rate. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it's a pretty fair trade off. I know that sounds cold and callous to people. I don't think there's any people, astronaut that's that would disagree with you. They're all be like send me up. Exactly, exactly. They know the risk and they're willing to take it. Every you're sitting on an ex, you're sitting on rockets that could explode on the pad. You know that. Believe me, they know that better than anybody when that fucker fires underneath their ass. <laughs> they know that. You don't have to tell. There's a them. reason you can defecate in your suit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, when Alan B. Shepard was 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 the first American in space, and he said, "I got to take a piss," and they went, "We didn't think about this." <laughs> They were like, right, okay, so when he comes back, we're going to redesign the suit so you can piss and take a shit because it's going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it, I, I just, I don't know. I, I guess, like, the more I think about it and, and you know, it, when, we're, when we usually when we're, we're on unregimented, you know, we're talking about topical stuff to put politics to shit. Well, we start off, but it does tend to wander. But, I mean... You know, that's important to an extent, but I mean, I, I keep going back to a quote. I cannot remember who exactly said it, but I, I know that Living Color sampled it to begin in one of their songs, and the quote was, words Ask are very... What did, no. no, no, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was, uh, words are very important, but the day we take them too seriously, it destroys everything. Right. And I'm paraphrasing it, and it's like, politics ultimately is a war of words. It's pushing air from two sides 
And it's like, okay, and we've discussed this before. It's like it's gotten to the point where it's sports teams here in this country. Pick pick your team and root for them no matter what. And that's another part that I worry about because people, there's so much of a train of thought these days. Case in point with this Tommy Lahren, Lahren, whatever her name is. Oh, yeah. And her stance on abortion. Yes. If you don't tell the line. to her cause. Exactly. If you don't tow the line exactly, we're gonna we're gonna throw you off off the, our team. Right. And it's not just the right that does that. Oh, it's no. the left that does that. Oh no! I and if my, Rachel Maddow came out as anti-abortion, she would lose oh, her show. Oh God! Oh, definitely would, in a heartbeat. It, I mean, she never would. But if she did, there's no way she would have a fucking career. Yeah. Oh, I've heard it's unacceptable. I've heard, I've heard arguments between people who you have one person who says they're pro-choice another person says i'm pro-choice but i would never have an abortion and they'll get attacked so what are you saying are you making a judgment call on people to have abortion are you saying there's something wrong with them that they made a wrong decision and they're like no personally i would never have an abortion but i believe a woman has a right to choose whether she wants to have one or not that's all i'm saying i mean and and i've seen arguments between people and, and what I'm else like, can you wow. ask for Right, wow. you, you you can't police other people's thoughts, except but, but, that they accept your decisions and move the fuck on. And see, that's what scares me because we have we have so many people who are starting to think that, and the media is just reinforcing it that we're losing critical thinkers. We're losing people who will think outside of the pre-approved fucking agenda that your side has issued to you. And science, to me, should be politic-free. It should right. be religion-free. Science should be, look, we're dealing in what we can prove and what we can't prove. And not in the court of law way. All right? We're dealing in, like, science is absolutes in a lot of ways. Whereas politics, people want it to be absolutes, but it's not. There's a lot of gray area and a lot of issues. You know, the death right. penalty being one of them. Abortion being another. Even if you, like I said, once again, even if you support you know, a woman's right to choose, you might say, myself, personally, I would never have one. Like, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, that that's gray area. That's not black or white. That's not all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And science, science should progress and just disregard all that shit. And the problem is we're politicizing everything, and I'm starting to wonder, and the more I follow... I, I, this is really nerdy shit. I've started to follow a lot of college professors on Facebook and um, go to their pages and, and, and watch their lectures and stuff like that. Nice. And a lot of them are talking about how they can't even get up there and speak about communist Russia without being accused of promoting of, the concept of, of no of shaming. Uh, socialism or communism and oh, being geez. like a far right a far right you know hate filled hate monger who isn't <laughs> open to anybody else's ideas and they're like I am literally teaching a history class I am telling you facts about what happened. what happened okay <laughs> I'm not making a judgment call on any of this right. shut the fuck well, up right right down to the shit regurgitate it on the test and move on with your life right, this concept of shame I I don't really get it. I mean, I understand. Everyone's felt shame. I felt shame when I'm busted on shit that I've done, right? 
otherwise, I mean, to me, shame is nothing but the voice in your head that agrees with what other people are saying. Because if you don't have that voice, you don't have the shame. Someone tries to slut shame you and say, you know, you sleep around too much. Really? I feel like I do it just enough. <laughs> I get enough dick to satisfy my daily quota. <laughs> and my daily right. quota of dick might be more or less than yours. And it's a it's a personal thing. Right. It's like, what? How? who are you to decide what's enough? Do I tell you how much cream you should have in your coffee? doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't tell me how much cream I should have in my pussy. So... <laughs> Well, and but I mean, do you do you get what I'm saying? As far as I'm worried, I, no, that, I do. That this this type of thinking will start to bleed over into areas that it should not even be a part of. It shouldn't even be in consider. It, if you're running experiments and if you're trying to figure something out in a, using the scientific method, political views are irrelevant to what you're doing. Emotions I, are are nothing but a hindrance. Exactly. And, when, and when you base everything, when you start from the position of how do I personally feel about this, how does it make me feel, how are you, I mean, you certainly aren't getting any science done, I guess. I mean, I, basically, if you, start injecting, if you start injecting emotion and values and judgment calls, right. how many then scientists, basically you're, you're now talking psychology and philosophy, you're not talking science anymore. Any scientist that you hear from that has gotten something wrong, you know, and it happens all the time because we we find out new things that disprove old things, and doesn't doesn't mean that we wouldn't have gotten there without the old without the old things that we used to believe, right? It was all a step; it was all progress. But a lot of times, it's the scientist saying, "Well, you know, I saw what I wanted to see." You know, after spending so long on this, I wanted to believe that what I saw in the results was was truth. But I was I was projecting. You know, I I wanted the the universe to revolve around the world because that made sense. I wanted the well, Earth to be flat because that made sense at the time. Well, that's why there's peer reviews and there's people who also run the exact same test who aren't as passionate about an outcome. In fact, the less passionate they are, the usually the truer outcome we're going to get, because they're not going to like they're not going to tend to read a result in favor of the way they feel, right. and but, that's 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 part of the that's part of the scientific method. I mean, bias is going to be there. That's just all there is to it. If you are just if you are spending your entire life searching for something, in 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 in, in you know, let's say the field of biochem, and you think you found it. And you said you put it up for peer review, and you put it, you know, through testing, and everybody comes back and says we didn't come up with the same results that you did. As a scientist, you have to be able to go, okay, no matter how much I wanted to find it, obviously I didn't. Right, and I can't, and I can't publish this. Exactly. All right, right. or I have to publish it and say this is how I failed. Don't make the same mistakes if you're looking for what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. So as much as we want to say that it's. Our, our government is partially to blame for being for having so little faith in science in general and just not supporting science and exploration in this country. But it's the people who put these people in office, and it's these same people who only use the word theory in quotes or use the phrase, just a theory. 
Yeah. Really, just a theory. Yeah, a theory is a result of usually years worth of work and multiple science, scientists and sometimes multiple generations of scientists to construct single theories. I think the best response I heard to that was, oh, shit, I cannot remember. He's a, he's an Asian guy. He's kind of got longer hair. It's like white hair. Yeah. He's on the History Channel a lot. But anyways, he invented Nintendo? No, no. <laughs> no, and he didn't invent Metal Gear either. Um, uh, but anyways, he, he was he was on a panel, and they were talking, and they said, you know, he, they had a creationist, and they had a Christian scientist, and, you know, he was reconciling how the six days could be six million years, and then they had, you know, someone who took the Bible as literal fact, and then, you know, they had him and a few other people, and the person who took the Bible as literal fact and the, and the Christian scientist, which is... The biggest oxymoron I've heard since, like, oh, Jumbo Shrimp. Right. Free rent. But, uh, you know, anyways, they pointed out to him, they, they go, well, you know, evolution, it's just a theory. It's the theory of evolution. And he goes, you know what, you're right. It is the theory of evolution. And we have the theory of gravity. So why don't you both go on top of this building and take a swan dive off the top of it and prove the theory of gravity wrong. <laughs> And it was just dead silence on the panel. And I was like, I, if I'd have been running the camera, I'd have been fired. Because I'd have just let go of the camera and just stood up and started clapping. You know? <laughs> like, I'd have probably done the Lucas slow oh, clap. Oh, shit. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, I'd have, started, I'd have started the slow clap like like an 80s movie. Like, yeah, come on, guys. Look, Lucas caught the football. Give him his fucking, give him his letter jacket. <laughs> nah, I would have been like Arsenio. <laughs> like I was in the Arsenio audience, like that's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's when I hear shit like that, I'm just like, come on, people, seriously. Like I understand, and it's and it's something that like we've talked about before when we were talking about you know people with beliefs that are getting to be outdated, to to be not useful to be toxic, really, as far as progress goes. And when I said leave them behind, I, I didn't say it. I mean, I, it sounds cold and like, you know, I'm just leaving behind to, to sink or swim on their own. But it's like the Amish. Let them, if they don't want to use fucking electricity, let them not use That's electricity. Fine. Yeah. That's fine. And you know what? All if the, the more if for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and, and having been around Amish in different parts of the country, I can tell you this. If their buggy breaks down and their horse runs off, they're not above taking a ride. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when push comes to shove, the evil outside world, they'll, they'll take advantage of from here and, you know, here and well, there. Where do you think everybody on the East Coast is going to go when the zombie apocalypse hits? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when the infrastructure truly breaks down, we'll all be like, excuse me, sir, do you have any whale oil? <laughs> No, we're all going to change our name to Brother Ezekiel and end up in Pennsylvania somewhere, <laughs> churning butter and shit. But no, I mean, so, like, you know, people who, like, when it comes to religious people, people who, who are, who are, I mean, just highly, highly religious who are like, the, the world is 6,000 years old because the Bible says so because we added up all the ages of everybody in the Bible. Okay, great. Guess what? We're going to put you over there. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move forward. You stay over there believing the world's 6,000 years old. Eventually, they're going to see the technological advancements we're making, and they're going to want some of that because it's going to make their life easier. Or they're, not going, to, they're, going, to, they're going to do the opposite and recoil from it, and they're going to start their own little sect. And if that's the case, 
hey, we got a big country and there's a lot of part of it. There's lots of parts of it that are unpopulated. Go live there. Start your own little fucking thing. And, and we don't care. But guess what? Keep it out of our government. Keep it out of our fucking science textbooks. And, and homeschool, homeschool your little fucking crotch droppings and tell them that shit. I, uh, best meme that I saw this week was a picture of Adam and Eve in the garden. And it says, uh, religion tells us that the entire human race came from Adam and Eve and their sons. Think about that. So that means mama, mama was getting filled out like a job application at, some, at one point. That means, that means Adam, Cain, and Abel were all in a hole airtighting her at one point. Yeah, It was like it down in the sewers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it wouldn't have been a gangbang in the Garden of Eden because they'd been thrown out before they had kids. <laughs> right. So yeah. it would have been just on the outskirts of the Garden of Eden. Which, by but, the yeah. way, that... Uh, that Preview for the new It movie looks pretty tasty, I have to admit. I'm not much for the horror film in general, but I'm kind of a sucker for anything Stephen King, even if it's kind of bad, which, well, let's, let's face it, it's been a rocky history. Even the adaptations that were acclaimed weren't true to the original story, like um, the, uh, the Shining is a perfect example. That was definitely more Kubrick's thing than than Stephen King's thing in the end. Oh yeah, that definitely. And same thing with uh, the Dead Zone. That was that was right. That was Cronenberg's vi- version of or that La- story. Lawnmower Man. Are you was, I, don't, I don't know how the fuck they got that out of that. <laughs> yeah. Literally, they bought the right to use the name Lawnmower Man and then wrote a movie that had nothing to do with the story. Right. right. Like, Have literally. you ever read the original? It's in uh, Night Shift. Is it in Night Shift? Was that or it's in Night Shift or um, or the? I thought it was one of the Bachman books, like he did under the uh, pseudonym. No, it was a short story. Yeah, and okay. there's 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 two of them. There's the Lawnmower Man Part One, where he's cutting the grass oh, and he's eating the grass right. as he's cutting. Right, and, and then, <laughs> he's saying vroom vroom. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the Lawnmower, which is I'm like, how high was he when he wrote that story? <laughs> and then there's the Lawnmower Man Tales of the Milkman. Which is, oh yeah, I, I remember that one. Where the milkman's going around in the neighborhood poisoning people, and it, right. it like has a very loose connection to the first story, but it, it's there somehow. Oh my god, that reminds me of another thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up: the Angel of Death. But um, go on, because no, I, I want to I talk about it. Okay, uh, what I was going to say is the 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 I want to say a lot of his movies since probably the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Um. Pet Cemetery was really probably the last really shitty movie as far as I, I have a sentimental yeah. place for it because Pet Cemetery was the first Stephen King book I read. When I saw it on the day it came out, my mother took me and was like horrified because she's like, if the book is, she's going, this is horrible. You were reading this at nine years old. And I right. said, the book's worse than this. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and she's like, I'm a horrible parent, you know? And I'm like, kind of, but thank you. I appreciate you bringing me to the movie. <laughs> right. It's like everybody that freaked out at train spotting. And I'm like, oh boy, you should read the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's fucked up. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you start with misery or stand by me, which was the eighties. Right, that was based right. on the body. That is damn near, uh, I mean, even the ending where he's talking about what That's happened true. to the guys That's true. is word for word. Then you had Misery, which was a very close adaptation, a very which was another Rob 
uh, Rob Reiner film, I believe. No. Which was... Was it? No, that was... Um, Stand By Me was Rob Reiner and Misery was Rob Reiner, yeah. Rob Reiner did Misery too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And then you had the... Um, oh, shit. The guy who did Shawshank and Green Mile. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. That director. But he, mm-hmm. he started making movies. Yeah, Stephen director. King movies. And those were, I mean, the Shawshank Redemption is is damn close to that that short novella as you can get. The Green Mile, it was a serialized story. Every month they released a new book, and they had to cut parts out for the fact. I mean, the movie the movie's already two and a half hours. It had been probably right. four hours if they kept every single thing. Well, but, see, I, mean, I haven't actually read those ones, so okay. Uh, but I mean, I those I'm are not just, seeing it from as full a perspective as you are. Those are right on with the with the with the novels and the source material, mm-hmm. and so I it started giving me hope that I was like, oh, all right, you know, hey, we're getting. And on top of that, those are more much. I hate to say this, more mature Stephen King stories because it, you say Stephen King, and unless they're an avid reader or a huge fan of of his, people automatically think all he does is write horror. Right. Stephen King wrote. He's released books of poetry. Now, oh, a lot of it's garbage. Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont, yes. That's the you. guy. He did Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and The Mist. And The Mist, which is, yeah, another one that was damn close. And to Nightmare on Elm Street material. 3, which actually was pretty good, <laughs> as cheesy as that movie is. He really did that? I didn't he, know that. He did the third one, yeah. Holy shit. But, um, and then you had just had the, the TV ad- adaptations. Right, the original like the, It that we saw. Yeah, you had that. You had Tommyknockers, which was horrible. horrible. I didn't see that one. I didn't really. Oh, I don't think I finished Tommyknockers. Actually, I don't remember liking that book as much. Tommy, oh. real quick story about Tommyknockers and Stephen King. He he was taking. He was doing an insane amount of cocaine. He yeah. was drinking at least a case of beer a day, and he was taking. Um, uh, oh, it was before uh, codeine cough syrup. He was mixing all this while he was writing that book. Damn. He barely remembers writing the book. <laughs> now, the interesting part about that is there is a character in that book, Jim Gardner, who is the most self-destructive alcoholic Stephen King's ever wrote about. Okay. And I think it's interesting that he was at the point where his wife literally came in, dumped the garbage on his desk while he was working, and said... Here's bloody tissues because you constantly have a nosebleed because you're doing fucking an eight ball a day. Here's empty fucking cough syrup bottles. Oh, he was also drinking mouthwash with alcohol in it, plus booze on top of it. Jeez. She said, either you get help or I'm packing the kids up and we're done. And he was like, I'll go get help. But he had already finished writing Tommy Knockers. When he went, when he got out of, you know, his detox and he went back to look at that book. He was like, I don't remember writing any of this, but basically it was a cry for help I was writing. Because Jim Gardner is a is a is a hopeless, you know, the, the main protagonist of that story is a hopeless alcoholic who's just got a self destructive streak a mile wide in him. Right. And he it was like even though he was on autopilot and he and believe me, I've drank uh, you know, we've talked about this in the show. I've drank enough to where I've lost months of my life. I remember flashes of it like a dream. But it's not vivid. I'm like, God, what happened during those three months? It's almost like I was asleep during them. So I know what he's right. talking about. So, I mean, that's that's why that book interests me. But I understand how a lot of people would, without knowing the background of that book, would go, oh, this is fucking aliens and 
it, it's a ship and, and people getting psychic powers and it's just stupid. I don't want to read this shit. And there's a drunk in here and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Now, you take that book and you, they turn it to the horrible fucking miniseries. That was garbage. The stand was garbage. The, his yeah, that was a big the, disappointment. Yeah, there's, first of all, four episodes? No. If they were going to do the stand again, they need to do it like a HBO or Showtime miniseries for like three, four seasons. Oh That's the yeah. only way they could do it. But um, And then uh, his version of The Shining, the miniseries that came out, which was really faithful to the books. It had some really creepy moments in it, but ultimately it wasn't a Kubrick film. It was a made-for-TV Shining movie. Yeah. You can't fuck with Kubrick. I mean, it's like... Right, you know, there's just there's no comparison there. So he, you know, his why his movies were getting better, all his TV shit was just getting worse and worse and more and more garbage. And I was like, okay, well, fuck it. I think I'm pretty much done with any Stephen King adaptations, unless one comes out like a Frank Darabont one. When the Mist come out, I watched that. Um, I think that was really it. I haven't even seen a lot of the movies that they've made since like the mid to late nineties. Well, then I saw the trailer for it and I was like, Oh, it's fucking on dude. Like I've not been excited for a Stephen King movie like this since I was a teenager myself. Yeah. Like, and I don't, and, I don't, and I'm not afraid of clowns and it, and it scared the fuck out. And it didn't scare <laughs> the fuck out of me, but I was like, that's, that makes me uncomfortable to watch this one. Gave part me the of this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, eh, don't run at me at the camera. What the fuck's wrong with this thing, man? I'm, I'm not right. cool with that. <laughs> and, and it's, it's striking at the perfect time right now when everybody's still crazy for the next season of uh, stranger things. And yeah. there is a, I mean, there is such an open influence of Stephen King on that series. Even, in the font that they chose for the title was very reminiscent of all of the fonts that were used in those early Stephen King books. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I remember looking at the font and I was like, I feel like I'm looking at an old Christine or, or Cujo book right. from the eighties from Stephen King. And there was little nods here and there characters in the background, reading a Stephen King book, little, little like Easter eggs from like, Right. You know, books of his with character names and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, the, that was half the fun of watching the show was picking all that shit out. <laughs> right. And we're also at a time where we're very open about reboots, right? It's a, it used to be if you if you failed on a on a character or universe or something like that, it was toxic for like a decade or more. And now they're just like, oh, you didn't like that Spider-Man? Well, that, hold on. We got another one in the closet. Yep. <laughs> and... So there, there shouldn't be any anything holding them back from redoing any of the you know the failed TV uh, miniseries or or even some of the more successful ones doing new takes on them. And also, I mean, what are studios looking for now? Universes, right? Mm-hmm. Transformers universe. Uh, the uh, Ninja Turtles universe, the Marvel universe, the DC universe, the Power Rangers universe—all these that the 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 uh, um, Universal Monsters universe now, the, the Godzilla and King Kong and all the uh, the um, what do you call the big monsters? Uh, Kaiju universe, yeah. basically. And I mean, if, if that's so the case, like, like, and he's built it, like he. It, 
he is Stephen King has created while he doesn't doesn't really tend to go back and revisit characters a whole lot there's a whole universe that they exist in and that's why the dark tower series for for people who haven't read it mm-hmm. uh, is, parts. is the common thread in the Stephen King universe because it includes almost at some point in that seven book series it references almost every piece of his work. Yeah. Sometimes That's before the, he even the thread, the thread that ties all of his work together. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's even years before he releases a book. So you read a part and you go, "Oh, okay." That that's weird. And then four years later, a book like Insomnia comes out, and you read it and you go, "Oh shit!" That's what he was referring to. <laughs> he was for that was complete foreshadowing on his part. Holy fuck, he's actually thought this out. I mean, it's not just like he's it's not like second season Twin Peaks making it up as they go along type shit. It is he actually sat down and plotted this out at least to that extent. And now they got the Dark Tower movie coming out, which if you haven't read the Dark Tower, I, there's no way I can discuss it without giving it away, so just spoilers for the ending of the book series at least. The Dark Tower series is a cycle. Mhm. Roland DeShane, the gunslinger, is damned to repeat this cycle over and over right. until he gets it right. He's, he's Sisyphus and the impossible pushing the boulder up the mountain. Exactly. And, and, and there was another uh, writer that Stephen King quotes, I think, multiple times in the Dark Tower series that says, hell is repetition. And it's a theme throughout the entire seven books. And then once you get to the end... And the last sentence of this of the last book is the first sentence of the first book. You go, oh, I fucking get it now. And right. you know, for me, it took it. I started reading that in 1986, 2004 is when I read the last book. So that was all those years I'd had to, to you know think like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? So it, to me, I was like, that's it. But then as the farther away I've gotten from that ending, I'm like, it's kind of poetic. It makes sense, especially when you go back and read it, book one, book two, book three, without years in between those books waiting for them to come out. But the Dark Tower series, the movie, is supposed to be the next cycle after the book cycle ends. So that's how come they've changed up things. They can rearrange the time frame of when certain things happen in the book to when certain things happen in this movie universe They've obviously rearranged the gunslinger's race because they've made him a black guy. Idris Elba's playing him, who I love him as an actor. But at first, I was like, okay, they just fucked up because the ma- a major part of the second book is the gunslinger being white because one of the other characters is black, and there's she's from our world during the racial struggle of like the late fifties and sixties, and she sees him as like this, you know. She's very standoffish with him because he looks like a fucking gunslinger from the 1800s and he's white. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there's that was a big part of the second book. You make the gunslinger black. You, you make Roland DeShane, that's the gunslinger, black. You take out that entire thing. Well, this is how they're explaining it, kind of like they did with the new Star Trek. They reset the timeline with the new Star Trek by having what happened in that movie happen. So they're free to explore whatever they wanted and they did they had cumberbatch's con i don't understand how he's fucking an of asian descent but whatever i'll buy it i guess 
but so that movie's coming out, and there's in it's funny because what you were talking about universes. I guess they're trying to release the Dark Tower movie and make it a movie, a season of a series on HBO or Showtime, another movie, another season, right, and then the last movie. Right, the but first the, true integration. I mean, something that even Marvel is, seems afraid to do. Well, if you know, and speaking of foreshadowing, if you go watch the movie The Mist, the beginning of the movie, uh, Aaron Eckhart, I think it's Aaron Eckhart, or whoever plays the, 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 the main protagonist, Yeah, he's an artist, and he's painting the gunslinger in front of the, uh, the doorway to the Dark Tower. Ah. And so I guess they're going to try to link these new generation of Stephen King movies coming out like it because it's a creature and there's more than one of those creatures and another creature of the same race is it appears in the dark tower series. So there's the connection between right, it right. right there. Um, the turtle in it is a guardian of one of the beams. It's making no sense if you haven't read the book, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the beams is what holds up the dark tower and the turtles, one of the guardians, the turtles, a main guy that helps the losers club in in the story it yeah fight it i mean so apparently they're keeping all this in there i mean they even have it, yeah the, it's all there for them even the, even in the the dark tower movie they uh, i don't know if it's a new footage or it's footage from the the kubrick shining movie but the hotel is somehow featured in the in the dark tower movie huh. like it, it's references it like is like Oh shit! That's the overlook. That's where The Shining happened. So uh, you you were <laughs> without without even me bringing it up, you hit the nail on the head. I think they're trying to start a whole Stephen King universe. They should like there with Marvel and DC. Yes, bring it. Because even if you look at it, like look at Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino, all his movies are set in the same universe. And yeah, where else are you going to get a pack of red apples? Exactly. Thank you. You know, it's just like the View Askew verse for Kevin Smith. Where else are you going to get a pack of nails? Yeah, I'll take a pack of, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And their 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 logo is you know nails in an X-ray of lungs, you know, it's coffin nails. It's its own universe. So I mean, you know, nerdy shit like that would suck in a guy like me because I'm a fucking uber nerd for Stephen King and a lot of these stories. So I'm like, all right, you got me. But at the same time, I think with the Marvel universe. And they're trying it with DC. Trying, uh, I'm, the jury's still out on that one for me. They're trying. Um, they're trying. They're not trying hard enough. They need to but experiment I mean, more. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, an effort is there. I think that people in Hollywood are going one. The old guard who thought it had movies had to be one way is now dying off or retiring. Their paradigm gotta, keeps being blown apart with each new blockbuster movie that c- comes out of nowhere. Who knew people yeah. would like this Deadpool if it was done right? And so they're seeing this shit and they're going, "We let's give this a try. Let's 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 roll the dice on this." Cuz these movies are not movies that they're they're I mean, I think the Dark Tower movie the budget's like somewhere north of 60 million dollars. This is not a $10 million Stephen King movie that they hope makes $30 million. This is, you know, they moved it from a February release to the middle of summer because they're hoping it's going to be one of their big blockbusters. And then you're going to have the Dark Tower movie drop, which is one in a series. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have It drop. And It, it 
apparently the first movie is going to cover the childhood part of the book. The second movie is going to cover the adult part of the book. There's going to be two movies? Yeah, if you notice, you didn't see any of those any of the Losers Club as adults in that trailer. No, right. Oh my god. I oh shit. <laughs> but not concurrently, right? We'll have to wait for the second installment, I imagine. I imagine they're going to break it up like they did Lord of the Rings. It'll probably come out next summer. Yeah, right. Like well, summer after the upcoming one. But so I mean, you know, it's it, there's a lot of cool things happening, and like I kind of half-ass called it the summer of Stephen King because I can't remember a time since like the Creep Show, Cat's Eye days, right. when you'd have two or three Stephen King movies released in like a six-month period. Right. But that was when they released Stephen King movies. It seemed like every six months, anyways. <laughs> right, and you also got movie yeah. movies like uh, what was it? Uh, Sleep Sleepwalkers? Is that the one about the cat people? The the oh. mother and the son that were screwing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, God, you that wanted horrible. to forget about that one, didn't you? <laughs> Jesus, that was horrible. Yeah, she played the Borg Queen. I remember the mother played the Borg Queen in one of the Star Trek movies. That's the Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. Now you've opened up that memory. Shit, I thought I poured <laughs> enough booze on that to kill the brain cells around it. <laughs> well, speaking of creepy memories, um, I had mentioned the Angel of Death earlier. Yes. Do, do you remember who the Angel of Death is? And I'm not talking about the Slayer song. Are we talking about uh, biblical lore? No. This was, uh, now maybe, well, no, this was, what, a year after the Challenger explosion, so probably would remember this too if it came across the radar but uh, let's see this was the guy who was harvey well, donald harvey and in 1987 he pleaded guilty to killing 37 people he was uh, a nurse in cincinnati and yes. also in kentucky also worked for the veterans administration hospital uh and would just i mean like Turn off people's, uh, uh, what do you call the thing that breathes for you? Life support, breathing machines, stuff right. like that. Yes. I do remember that now that you bring that. Yeah. He would poison people. Well, he got caught when uh, somebody was doing an autopsy on one of the bodies, and I think got a whiff of cyanide or one of the poisons that he had used. And this was, I mean, he's just, he's just a normal-looking dude, right? <laughs> he doesn't look like some kind of creepy psycho killer and but he's also he's the scariest kind of killer for me i think this is one of the reasons why this stuck with me is that he didn't have some mission he didn't have a cause he didn't have a bigger concept or a plan it was i had the power to take people's lives and so i did Almost like a little kid tortures bugs just to see what happens. Right. Like, he had that much disregard for human life. He was just like, eh, I'm going to pull the plug just because I can and see what happens. Well, I bring him up now because I think I had forgotten about this case entirely until I came across a story today that he actually died in prison. He confessed to his crimes in order to avoid the death penalty and has been living in prison. He was, uh, he was 64 years old. He was found the other day in his cell beaten near to death. 
<laughs> Oops. Huh. Yeah. Wonder how that happened. I'm sure he, I'm sure nobody saw nothing. Yeah, he must he must have either owed somebody some money or he got hooked on some drugs and, you know. Or somebody just found out who the fuck he was and was like, "Oh shit. I knew one of them people." Or, My yeah, grandma was from Cincinnati. So some some lifer with a questionable crime that doesn't get him respect came in and was like, I'm going to make my bones on this old man. It happens. I mean, you know, it, it is prison. Let's, let's be yeah, honest. Sometimes it's just... Uh, That's what happened with Dahmer. That guy got in there and he, he killed Dahmer, so he had a rep of don't fuck with me. Right. That's the only reason he killed Jeffrey Dahmer. Or he didn't care about that. Like, he didn't care that he ate people. He was just like, I just beat him to death so no one would fuck with me. That random. Yeah. But so yes. I don't know. I, I guess that the the reason why this guy spooks me out so much is, again, like, it could just be totally random. Like, there's no reason for it. And sometimes there is just no, there's very rarely a reason for people dying. You know, sometimes there is, and most times there just isn't. Shit just happens. And you like to think that there's certain things that you can control to avoid that happening to you. And yeah. and also, while as much as you'd be just as disgusted if this guy was like saying, you know, God told him to uh, that these people had to go and it was just their time. Okay, well, at least he had a cause or something. And I'm not religious and I don't tend to hang around with ultra-religious people. So I'm safe, right? Or, uh, you know, his dog told him to do it. Well, clearly that guy was mad. And, all right, there's crazy people in the world. This is just a guy, I mean, this complete sociopath. It didn't even seem to register to him that what he was doing was really that bad. And I think it's the, the type of mentality that at any, any person would have the hardest time wrapping their minds around it. Even the most hardcore of us could probably stop and contemplate what it must be like to be like a, a terrorist bomber. How you get to the point where you think it's reasonable to strap on a vest and blow yourself up in a marketplace. Well, I can never imagine myself getting to that point. I am capable. I do have enough imagination to say, okay, well, what if I was raised in this area and told this my whole life? and had nothing else to lose, you know, could I put myself in that position if I was in their shoes? I don't even know what, like, this isn't even the same species to me. The angel of death guy, it's like he's not even human. It's, uh, it's like, have you ever seen a movie called Funny Games? No. Okay, I don't believe uh, so. It, it kind of sounds familiar. Tell me about it. Tim Roth, Naomi Campbell, or uh, Naomi Watts. Um, they're a family that these these two. Oh yeah. Look like, yeah. Okay. So you, it, it, okay. It, it, uh, oh, it had wasn't the the guy from um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch in that? Yes. Yeah, you um, know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He's uh, in, okay, go on. Well, the the reason I said it's like that is because. It's kind of like an adult horror story. It's not, it's, there's no metaphysical, supernatural thing happening. It's right. a family that goes to their lake house, and these two kids who look like, you know, upper, you know, upper crust, you know, golf playing teens right. show up and they go, hey, we need some help. 
And the family starts helping them. The next thing you know, they look over and their dog's dead. And the guy goes, yeah, we did that. Now get in your house because we're going to kill you. And they end up torturing the family and they play fucked up games with them, giving them hope that they're going to live. Mm-hmm. And at one point, and this is what freaked the fuck out of most people that saw that movie when I've talked to them about it. At one point, uh, the family is in the middle of just being fucked with and tortured with these games that these guys are playing with them. And they go, why us? Why are you doing this to us? Right. And real calmly, he just looks over and goes, because you were home. And yeah. that's so fucking chilling. There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. It's just like this angel of death guy. Why is he doing this? Because I could. Because they were there. I don't have any animosity towards him. But they're, he doesn't, right. it's like he doesn't even see him as a life form. He sees him as a plaything. And I think there was a similar scene in that uh, Keanu Reeves movie with the two chicks. Did you see that? I'm trying to remember what it was called. Where it's Keanu is uh, just some kind of normal guy, nice place and everything, gets wrapped up in, in two young girls that look innocent and that, what could it hurt? And one thing leads to another where, you know, they just ask for more, oh, can we just stay here? We need to dry our clothes, we're wet. Anyway, I've, I've not seen that movie, I can't, I can't. It's kind of similar, it, it it, actually, it's pretty much the same movie, only with the the different twists that you would have on it that you would imagine with it being two young sexy girls and Keanu Reeves. But well, I will say this: if you like those type of movies, check out uh, Funny Games because the no, 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 twist I have in it, I've seen Funny Games. Oh I, no, I'm just saying I'm saying the people oh, listen. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Because the listeners. twist in that movie. Yes, listeners, the twist in that movie. I'm pretty good at guessing around corners in those type of movies. I didn't even see the twist coming. And let's put it this way. It, it, when he showed it to the audience, the audience was like audibly and visibly shocked and like, what the fuck just ha- Did that really happen? Was that supposed to happen? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, is this a joke? But I mean, you just have to see it. I, I can't give it away. I can't, because if I even give you hints, I'm giving it away to the people who haven't seen it and it's not fair to do that. So, yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, but but that was one of those whole... big movies where everybody had seen it, and I would say, yeah, spoil it. But that's kind of one of those hidden gems that people will still come across and should be surprised by. Yeah, it's like, well, I can't remember what I was listening to, but some podcast was talking about The Sixth Sense, and they were like, well, you know, and Bruce Willis was dead. And the guy's like, dude, you just spoiled the movie. He goes, yeah, from a decade ago. If you don't know Bruce Willis was dead in The Sixth Sense, and it's 2017... An award-winning been, man. If you don't know it, you obviously avoided it purposely. Yes, you or you've been in a coma. And either way, I'm sorry for you. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Is she in a coma? <laughs> There's no way she wants that song. <laughs> I just called to say I love you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But um, no, but no. There's a whole. There's kind of a. For a minute there, there was a. There was a glut of movies coming out of Hollywood that were kind of like that. I think The Strangers was one that had Liv Tyler in it. Um, yep, yep. The they remade that movie where the babysitter is like Small calling butt. the cops. Someone's fucking with me. The calls coming from within the house. Right, I can't right, remember what the name of that movie was. Yeah, they're they're relative. They're small cast, single set, relatively cheap films. And if they're done right, it creep you to fuck out. I mean, I've I remember I'd already had the movie The Strangers ruined for me completely by the time I saw it. But 
I saw it with a girl who I was dating at the time who hadn't seen it and had no idea about what it was about. And her react, I like, I was like getting, like watching the movie vicariously through her because she was like, oh, this, oh, fuck no. Look behind her. Look behind her. I'm like, I know. I see him, you know? <laughs> right. She's like, oh, this is too creepy. I can't handle this shit. And I'm like, that's, because it's, 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 that's the adult horror. It's, Random shit, bad shit, horrible shit happening to you for no reason. You can't stop it. You can't protect from it. You can't go to the doctor and, and, and diet it away. It's not heart disease. It's not colon cancer. It's just someone fucking with you because you were there in their line of sight. Right. And that is, that is like, because as you grow up, your your fears become more evolved as you get older. You don't really, well, for some of us. Like, I still got a few things that are go back to my childhood. The Shining has made me, I hate, I hate walking into a bathroom and the shower curtain's closed. Because I'm thinking, that dead bitch is in the bathtub behind that shower curtain. <laughs> so I just, I know it's totally irrational. It, it makes no sense. But it's just something that flashes in my head for a split second every time I walk in the bathroom and see it. But as I've gotten older, the shit I'm afraid of, and I imagine most people are, is like, a heart attack out of nowhere, a stroke that leaves me to, where I can't take care of myself. Right. Cancer. And I'm going through chemo and no one's there to help me. And I'm all alone during this. Like your fears become more complex, but right. ultimately right. the worst fear is as an, as an adult is just the fear of pure fuckery stumbling upon you and you go and wait a minute, what the fuck did I, I, this isn't even about whether I deserve it or not. This is just about, I was standing in the wrong spot at the wrong time. there's nothing I could have done to to prevent this or to bring it on like that's the ultimate adult horror right there I I believe at least that's right I've done everything right I didn't ask for any trouble and it just you know asteroid came out of the sky and crushed me what the fuck exactly (laughs) how many times have we heard stories about you know, some guy walking down the street and there's construction above him and it, something falls and kills him. And you're just like, that's fucking horrible. But it's not like he could have avoided it. It's not like he was like, uh, I won't, I won't walk under this ladder. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's right. A man walking alone downtown gets shot and you're like, well, you know, he should be careful. <laughs> well, that's one of the things having my dad be a truck driver I, I never took for granted when I drive, I never take for granted. I notice a lot of people do what's going on around them and being on the road with him. I've seen so many accidents where people are just completely obeying the law. No one is breaking the law. No one's speeding. No one's running a red light. And for some reason, a car loses control, jumps into the, you know, jumps the center line, head on collision. And then there's a pile up. And you're just watching it, and you go, what the fuck happened? And it turns out the guy blew a drive tire and right, couldn't, right. couldn't hold on to the steering wheel or something. Yeah. And it's just shit that you and, can't. And his Coke at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> One had to go. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> lands on the car, lands on its side, and he's got the drink up, right? Like, yeah, saved it. Real quick, have you ever seen those uh, police chase videos where they're, like, chasing somebody, and the, and the car wrecks, and it rolls over? And you see the person fly out of the window or something, and the car keeps rolling. Have you uh, ever seen one of those? I think I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, there was a there was one I was watching, and apparently the guy was a construction worker. I think he was drunk, and he had had a couple DUIs before, so 
hey, I'm going to outrun a cop. That's the brightest thing to do, right? Because I'm driving drunk and they're pull, they want to pull right. me over. Sure. He had his tools all scattered in the inside of his truck. Oh, geez. And when his, when his truck hit the ditch and started rolling, you just saw he was strapped in, so he was okay, except for the tools beat the shit out of him. And you just saw tools flying off. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I mean, my it God. Was, it was just insanity to watch this. I was like, oh, my God, dude. That's like, that's like karmic retribution right there. <laughs> like, you're going to survive this accident, but cold rolled die cast metal is going to beat the shit out of you while you're doing it. You know, it's like. Right. So I w- there's one more thing I wanted to say about a- Angel of Death guy, though, because mm-hmm. you're, you're spot on with that, that primal fear that we, that we don't get over. There's another one in there, too, that's layered on top of it, though. It's, it's the randomness combined with a person at their utmost vulnerable. So, like, some of my more irrational fears in life have been uh, the fear of somebody coming up behind me while I'm pissing at a urinal and slamming my head into the, into the wall, knocking uh-huh. me unconscious with my dick out and piss all over myself with, for, for other people to find me. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. Like when, you know, being preyed upon when, I mean, at your utmost vulnerable, like these people, some of them weren't even conscious or maybe they were in a coma or maybe they were just, you know, resting. But regardless, they're in a hospital recovering from something. So I think that those are the two, and that's another one that you just don't ever grow, uh, don't uh, ever outgrow, is the fear of vulnerability. And, oh, definitely. And, and that others will, will prey upon it. I mean, e- even in the things that we carry with us in our day-to-day lives, I lose my job, I'm vulnerable. You know, I can't have a place to live then or, or take care of my kids or whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, case in point is I was sitting here about a month and a half ago going, what am I going to do when my lease is up? Mm-hmm. Because I won't get into details, but I'm not going to be able to re-up it at this location. And... It, Boom, adult fear. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I, I got to move again. I just moved in here, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. And then, luckily, <laughs> I had something pop up, and I was like, oh, okay. Now, now I no longer have to worry about it. It's taken care of. And it, I didn't realize how much that was weighing on me until it wasn't there. Right. But that's fear that you can use. That's That's useful and reasonable fear. I also still carry some, I mean, not that I'm not able to overcome them, but... I do still have somewhat of a fear of, well, looking out of the window at night because I saw the howling in American Werewolf in London too many times. <laughs> or, and having like something pop up in, on the other side. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Like, if there is something out there, like, what am I, I'm looking out the window to see, hey, is there something out there? Well, if it is, then it's probably going to pop up right in front of me as soon as I look out. <laughs> And on top of that, if it's at night and you got a light on inside, yeah, it can see you. You can't see it until it's right up on the window. That's right. the worst part. No, I, I, we used to play a game when I was a kid, me and my friends, and we'd be like, okay, how, who could freak each other out the most? And I really freaked my, my two buddies out when we were doing this one time. We were talking. I was like, okay, so imagine it's pitch black and you come home and you're all, you're all alone. And you can't see anything, and 
you know, you're scared. Because we were kids when we were describing this. Like, uh, maybe like 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. And you know how when you're a kid and you're scared and you reach around the corner feeling for the light switch? (laughs) And they were like, oh, my God. I was like, now imagine this. Imagine a cold, dead hand lands on top of your hand, takes your hand, and puts it on the light switch for you. Like, no, no, I want you to see. Go ahead, turn the light on. And they were like, dude, fuck you. We're done playing this game with you. Why the fuck you say shit like that, man? Seriously? Who the fuck thinks of shit like that? It's all that Stephen King you read. I mean, seriously. (laughs) I was like, hey, man, did I win the game? And they're like, man, we're not playing this shit no more. It's bullshit, man. But yeah, Yeah, I I understand. Dude, irrational fears that you carry in a child or from childhood into adulthood are something that, like, like my ex-wife terrified of clowns. Terrified. Yeah. I mean, like, well, she's better now. But when we were together, if she saw a clown, like someone dressed up as a clown, she would hit the ground in the fetal <laughs> position, cover her face, and start crying. <laughs> I, I'm not really? joking. I, I, that yes, that visceral reaction. Like, I I thought she was exaggerating. I had a friend who couldn't deal with midgets. It wasn't like I hate little people. It was just like uh, they had just like this irrational gut feeling, this like shiver in the spine. It sounds horrible to say, but it's just happened. I have seen people like that. I've never been a friend with a person like that, but I've seen people like that where there's like, you know, this little person the preferred nomenclature these days, I guess. I guess. there's There's a little person in a room and they're on the other side of the room and they're they're kind of like pale. Yeah, and they're just like up against the wall trying to become part of the wall with their like peripheral vision out of the corner of their eye, keeping an eye on this guy wherever he goes. And I'm like, it's moving. Like, (laughs) dude, seriously? (laughs) He ain't going to fuck with you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, yeah, I thought my ex wife was exaggerating it until we went to, uh, Halloween Horror Nights at Cedar Point. And we were in line to go through one of their haunted houses, and they have people dressed up as different, you know, Halloween costumes. Well, this dude was dressed up as a clown. And he come up, and he was, like, creeping up behind her, and he looked at me, and he put his finger to his lips and went, shh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, dude, this is kind of creepy to me, dude. I just had a clown go, shh. Like, no, I don't ever want to hear a clown tell me, be quiet. You know, and then he, he, he like, uh, and he put his hands on her shoulders, and she turned around, saw him, screamed, took a swing at him, Ooh. and then, like, ran. And, like, dude, I'm not joking. Like, makeup ruined, sobbing, uncontrollably, snot bubble. Unco- and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you're not joking. You're, you are honestly. Yeah. You were terrified of clowns. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, heights I would get. Spiders, snakes, maybe. Like, I don't want Things them around. Things that could actually hurt you, yeah. But a clown? I'm like, it's just a dude in makeup. And she's like, but why are they wearing makeup? What are they trying to hide? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most random shit in my mind. I don't know why you're scared of it. But I think, well, going real quick, just to bring yeah. it back, I think she saw it when she was younger, and that's yeah. what really did it. You know, Tim Curry. She didn't. She didn't. When I saw Tim Curry as it, I saw Frankenfurter dressed up as a clown. Right. I think she just saw 
Tim Curry is it because she doesn't even like Tim Curry outside of the makeup to this day. So I think that's that's part of that. I was afraid of the clown doll because of Poltergeist. That too. She did tell me that when she saw that when she was like six or seven, her yeah. parents let her watch it, and that did it for her. She's like that. She yeah. That pro- uh, that movie probably freaked me out more than any movie that I can remember. Well, do you remember the movie called The Game with Michael Douglas and uh? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh shit! I thought I've seen all of Michael Douglas's movies. It's a David Fincher movie. It oh right yeah, no, no, no! I remember that one. Remember, he's coming home from they, work. They and did a, a Black Mirror that was much like that. Okay, yeah, and he but he was coming home from work, and there was the clown in the middle, like the doll in the middle of the road. Yep, yep. And he, he oh my god, dude! Yeah, she saw that she, um, movie yeah, nope. over with. She turned. <laughs> she's like, nope. She got up and she walked out of the room. I'm like. Honey, I'll fast forward it. It's only like five minutes. I don't trust this movie. They're going to, at any moment, a clown could jump out. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you are seriously <laughs> terrified of this shit. I guarantee you, I've seen it, honey. It's only five minutes. I don't trust you. I don't trust this movie. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, God. I, 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 and I wonder why I got divorced. I don't trust <laughs> you. I don't trust this movie. See, I, 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 trust see? issues. It's not all on my end. Some of it was on her end. <laughs> Well, you had mentioned um, possibly moving earlier. I'm starting my move tomorrow. My car is actually packed up and ready to start. And uh, it's getting late here, so uh, i got to wrap this one up for tonight. I'll just say this. I don't envy you, man. I hate moving. Yeah. I've kind of... S- I travel reasonably slim. I'm, it's got, Most of it's going to be one truck, honestly. But yeah... So I guess uh, this is where we say that people should follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter and uh, uh, Facebook. Instagram. Um, Find us on Stitcher Radio, on iTunes. If you do find us on iTunes and you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a review. Rate us. If you really like what you hear, five stars. Share us, yeah. By any social media method. You can support us by clicking on the Amazon banner through our website. Amazon will give us a couple shekels our way. Yeah, definitely. Apparently, from other podcasts, that uh, if enough people do that, you really it does start to add up. So yeah, it all makes a difference. More we listeners, a little bit of donation, it all helps. You can donate directly on the Christopher Media page. You can uh, follow our live stream. There's a link on that on the Christopher Media page where you can hear the three most recent episodes. And you can also find all the other shows that we do, as well as uh, Unregimented. I do with uh, Chris and Rob, uh, The Weedsman. Uh, Rob has started a wrestling podcast that you can find on there. Yep, World Championship Radio. I was going to mention that. That's our newest one. It's the Beer Nuts podcast that we're going to be recording tomorrow night. We got the sports one, Sporgy. Sporgy, with, yeah, that's right. You do Sporgy with you and uh, you and Chris and the Iceman. Yep. So yeah, oh, and the Ugly Club and Projection Booth, which are both, uh, I believe, movie podcasts. So very good. One. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for your support. Share and tell a friend, and we will see you next week. All right, later, guys.
If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.